doing all right. Glad to be home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was a uh, heck of a trip you were on. Yeah, whirlwind, whirlwind tour of some old haunts in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I saw that you got the band back together. Yeah, <laughs> we did a show. Uh, well, they were they would have been uh, doing shows anyway, but not me. So, yeah, I got to jump in and, and play. That How did that fun. go? It, it went well, yeah. It had been a while. Jose had counted. Uh, it had been... Um, since 2019, so four years, eight months since we'd played together. <laughs> wow. So he loves me, I guess. <laughs> a little shocking that that's that 2019 is four years ago. Yeah, right. I and I told him, I said, look, pandemic doesn't count. Those years do not count for anything. So really, it's been yeah. like two years. Yeah. I, again, I feel like I always have to say that I have to add two years to all my stories, and uh, that's still true. That is yeah. still true. Yeah. It's tough to think about. A million years ago, at my very first job, my boss realized that I had some sort of a natural talent and for some reason, a desire to keep working in restaurants. And he took me aside and he said, Randall, you could be really good at this and you could go far if you could just learn to keep your mouth shut. If you're listening to this, you'll know I took part of that advice. All right, so you're back. Why don't yes. we dive right in? I want to talk Thanksgiving. I want to talk um, people finding body parts. I want to talk about dead dogs. <laughs> like, there's so much. There's so much, Steve, because we've we've been now two weeks away from from this stuff. Yeah, the shenanigans never cease, and we're not Correct. even talking politics. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, we can do that too if you want to. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to In the Weeds with Ben Randall. I am Ben Randall, and I'm Stephen Cadwell. And as we were just talking about, Steve toured the world over the last couple of weeks i did not i toured the midwest over the last couple of weeks <laughs> but uh let's start with you steve let's start with thanksgiving you had yes. a, a variety of thanksgivings this year yeah yeah well kayla and i had vets giving here we talked about that briefly and then we yeah. went to my folks place um for thanksgiving thanksgiving and then we kind of did a, a little bit of a thanksgiving when we were in florida at my in-laws as well um and uh, yeah, so that that was the kind of the tour we did. Key lime and banana cream pie is what we took up to my folks' place. Um, we had done a pie. We're still experimenting. We haven't perfected it yet, but we found a recipe for like a Hershey's a pie that uses Hershey Hershey's syrup, right? Which I think is basically the recipe for what they have at Burger King, the <laughs> Hershey's Sunday pie. Okay. Um, because we want to substitute coffee syrup for the Hershey syrup. Or at least part of it. So we're still we're still working on that. So we were going to take a version of that up, but we decided because there were going to be so few people to eat the pies, mostly because my brother-in-law wasn't going to be there who would have eaten all the pies, um, <laughs> that we wouldn't do that. So we stuck with uh, key lime. We were only going to do that, but we had so many bananas from our banana um, purchasing. We had like a banana shopping spree. Um, yeah, an extravaganza. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Banana, banana ganza? I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's like when a banana gets way too excited. <laughs> it, it has a banana gasm. Yeah. Um, so we made we made that, and we were a little worried about it at first because Kayla made two little cups. Well, we didn't. It didn't set up for whatever reason, but um, the custard. But we made two little cups for us to taste without having to cut into the pie, and we were a little worried because the she'd put some lemon juice on the bananas to try to keep them from oxidizing too much. Yeah. 
and it was really you could really taste it kind of in the cups not like it was lemon but you could there was like oh there's a there's like a, some high notes in here that sure i don't and, but in the in the pie it was fine oh okay like an acidity of some sort yeah 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 that was noticeable in the little cups and i don't know why i mean it could have been just because it set overnight you know it, the pie did so it had longer to commingle sure sure i don't know i'm not a physicist as ben would say <laughs> right so nothing uh, besides that, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing notable in any of your Thanksgivings? No, not really, because my my brother and his kids and my sister, my brother-in-law and their kids weren't going to be there, so it was kind of low-key at my folks' place, ah. and we we didn't, so we didn't have any weird casseroles. We were never green, someone in my family was the green bean casserole you and I talked about yeah um last show or the show before, but no, no one in the immediate family, so, and no... Um, grape meatballs. <laughs> right on. So those might be safe for Christmas. I don't know. So my mom did have ham and, and uh, a turkey breast. And then my mother-in-law made a, uh, got a little 10-pound, ha- uh, not ham, 10-pound uh, turkey. Um, which is, it's, it's surprising the difference between a 10 and 15-pound turkey is noticeable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Kayla and I had a 15-pound turkey. And then my, my mother-in-law had a 10-pound turkey. And she's convinced that the, the... They weigh it with the gravy pack inside. <laughs> with all the giblets in the neck and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just to increase the weight. So, uh, yeah. So it was a small turkey, but it was very good. It was. Um, she did a good good job with that. And then it was just corn because my uh, sister in law likes corn. It was real low key, but uh, it was good. Nice. I had a similar experience, right? So I think we we talked about this that I was going down to my sister in law's house in yeah St. Louis and. Um, they did it potluck style, which was nice. So they invited a bunch of people. It was mostly my, so my sister-in-law, this is my wife's sister, her husband who married into the family, his family, right? So these people okay. are as distant from me as it's possible to be, right? Like I know <laughs> them, I guess. Yeah. And they're they're pleasant enough mid-America folks, you know. Um, the nice thing about doing it potluck, you know, uh, my brother-in-law made the turkey and he made a lechon, right? Like a, a roasted seasoned pork shoulder because that's part of my wife's, her family's tradition. And then uh, I don't remember what else he made, but like we brought that apple pie focaccia. We brought a um, roasted sweet potato and corn and spelt salad that I had made. We brought cookies, and then everybody had a thing they were bringing, and we ended up with so much dessert because I think they may have told everybody <laughs> bring something and a dessert because yeah. there was there was cookies, there was apple pie focaccia, there was a pumpkin pie, a, like a chocolate silk like chocolate pudding pie kind of a thing. There was a whole cake. There were more cookies. There was a pumpkin bread. Like it just went on and on, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not complaining about any of this. But here's the problem that you run into uh, with potluck, especially if you're handing out assignments. One of the guests was ill and couldn't make it, so there were no mashed potatoes. Oh. Not a big deal, right? So my brother-in-law, his eyes widened just a little bit. He's real goal-oriented. He's real problem-solving. So it wasn't that big a deal. I saw him, like, have a tenth of a panic attack, and then he just kind of was like, all right, we have so fucking much food coming. Ain't going to be a big deal. And I looked at him and I was like, do you want some help? Because then he tried to run out and get potatoes. It was Thanksgiving morning. Nothing was open, right? And you can't get potatoes at like a gas station. And so I asked him, I was like, do you want some help? And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you got to think about what the potatoes do. It's a starch. You're sopping up gravy with it, right? 
I can make really quick, like, butter rolls if you want me to do that. And he said yes, and so I did. I made some bread. Whatever. It was fine. I don't think anybody actually missed the mashed potatoes, you know. So is one of the lessons from this, like you said, be careful when you delegate, but also then I would say uh, mashed potatoes and probably do a different potato and have two people bringing potatoes of different kinds so that if you lose a potato, you still have a potato? I mean, right. Uh, You're absolutely right about that. I would also say that, like, looking at a Thanksgiving menu, and you could easily translate this into Christmas if you were going to be doing a Christmas potluck kind of thing. Certain things don't travel well, and maybe as the host, you should be making them. And I think mashed potatoes are one of those things. Like, I don't want to make mashed potatoes. They're heavy. They're sloppy. And then put them in the car. You know, like, (laughs) that felt weird. Like, what do I want to have people bring? Yeah, sides, right? So, like, salad, um, breads, desserts, maybe cranberry sauce. Somebody's in charge of drinks, you know, in a real Davis kind of way. Somebody's in charge of napkins, right? Like, that sort of thing. But mashed potatoes, gravy, turkey, these are big, heavy things that should probably be made on site. You know? Yeah. Not, not, I'm, I'm absolutely not criticizing my in-laws. They hosted Thanksgiving, and it was glorious, and we had a great time. I did very little work. It was awesome. Uh, everybody was very pleasant and whatever. The, I'm a gossip. You know that I'm a gossip, right? Like, that's kind of what I do. <laughs> However, it was also sort of nice to not be responsible because the gossip was all his family. So this is like three steps away. I didn't have to care about any of it. You know, I didn't have to learn anything, (laughs) which was really nice. Yeah. Well, you know, and speaking of being that it was his family, it may have been one of those things where it was like, oh, and I'll bring my potatoes. Right. Okay, great. Do that. And then no one else has uh, Brett's mom's potato salad bowl. So no one else is going to attempt it anyway. And then. Now, having said that, one thing I will 100% say that I appreciated is I would much rather have a Thanksgiving with no mashed potatoes while also having not a super sick person there yes yes right was it COVID? i don't know was she so sick she was worried about getting everybody else sick because there were a bunch of kids there too yeah and i appreciate that yes so i guess ladies and gentlemen that's the two notes i would give you about thanksgiving if there are things you're hosting that you really really want to have on your table just keep those things to yourself make them yourself also if you're really really sick don't go yeah (laughs) you know well, I mean, I, yeah, and that's the lesson I think uh, pandemic has probably taught us is, yeah. yes, you really want to see your family, um, around, especially around the holidays. But do you want that to be the last time you see your family? Well, or do you want that to be the story everybody tells at every other Thanksgiving from then on? <laughs> oh, remember when Cindy got everybody sick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you probably you don't want to be the pariah, the family pariah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's just the communicable disease kind of sick. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I hope none of you have these kind of stories, but if you do and it's worth sharing and it's safe to share, please feel free to get a hold of us at intheweedswbr at gmail.com. My Instagram is Chef Ben Randall, where you can see tons and tons of pictures. I'm always on there updating food stuff. Uh, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group if you just search In the Weeds with Ben Randall on Facebook, and Steve runs a website for us. Intheweedswbr.com. But in my experience this year and in talking to people, I have not heard of anybody like, oh, yeah, the turkey was mid-rare and we all got salmonella, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> if you have a story like that that is appropriate to share, please do, you know, and, and we can help you, like, diagnose it, prevent it in the future, stuff like that. Uh, I feel like I had one thing to say about food safety stuff in relation to that, but it was not – it was apocryphal. It wasn't a story that happened to me. Everything was fine for us. No, I can't remember what it was. 
But I'm, I was also very glad about that. Nobody got sick, right? You didn't find the internet coupon and order some uh, some turkey from the daycare kitchen in Canada? <laughs> did you see? Okay, let's go right there. Where I, I'm pretty sure I sent it to you. They're allowed you did, to reopen. Yes. yes, but only for one daycare. Isn't that what it said? Yes. It's been a while and since so, I did it. man, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Hi. Uh, if not, you've been hearing us talk off and on. This is not ad nauseum yet, but off and on about this series of daycares in Canada where they had this huge E. coli outbreak. Kids in the hospital. You've got kids who have like kidney failure. It's a bad deal. They're allowed to reopen that kitchen. This is fueling mines, d- daycare center, uh, and, you know, E. coli extravaganza. Um, they are allowed to reopen their kitchen to serve one, and I'm just going to guess it's whichever location is the closest. Right. And I couldn't find any other reporting about it. I wanted to look and see if I could find another article or some substantiating reporting or something, but I couldn't find anything else. I guess nobody cares, except for uh, food safety news. And uh, they're allowed to reopen on a limited basis can serve one of the 11 daycare centers that were closed during the E. coli outbreak, which sickened 448 people and impacted 1,595 children. Uh, they are having to cater, essentially cater out to legitimately Meals on Wheels, which as far as I understand is almost a charity operation uh, yeah. for the food service for the other 10 daycares. Um, so he- here's how I... Th- think that conversation happened uh so we can't reopen no you poisoned almost you know 1100 over 1100 children okay so so let's do this instead let's say you give us just one if we don't if we don't kill any kids in one daycare then you give us two and if we can do two without you know any kids croaking then you give us three and then we just work our way up to 11 and that seemed just a me- yeah yeah that's, that sounds reasonable yeah so i mean the accent's hilarious, but I wouldn't be surprised if they fixed the problems in their kitchen as far as what we saw, you know, pest infestation, and they had some sort of standing water, and they had thermometers in with non-washable things. If they fixed all that and went to the Canadian Health Department and said, look, we fixed it. Come and reinspect us. After an outbreak like that, I legitimately could see the Canadian Health Department going, okay, fine, you can reopen here's a radius around your facility so you can serve however many schools are within this radius. And it was just one. And yeah. now you're right. They're probably petitioning that operation or that, that, that organization to allow them to expand as they prove that they're not getting anybody sick. You know, it, it'll either take a long time or it'll be real sus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like if, yeah. if, if by February they're servicing all 11 again, no, thank you. That's or terrible. Look, you can service five of the kids at that one daycare. <laughs> right. Um, now, kind of speaking of, oh, the other thing I was going to say is Canada being Canada, there could be like a uh, DoorDash sort of situation that copy wrote, had copy written Meals on Wheels before the charity organization. <laughs> right. So, uh, like, because I was real confused. I thought Pizza Pizza is just what they called Little Caesars up there. It's its own thing. Oh, it's its no own kidding. Pizza place. Yeah. It's a pizza restaurant in Canada called Pizza Pizza. Um, which I um, find interesting, if not really that interesting. Um, the other thing I was going to say, so long as we're on the topic, is you did send me this the sign, the giant sign that you wished were bigger and easier to read. Um, 
Right. And what? And was that connected to the same place that you didn't you send me a? Oh yeah, the Block Club Chicago. So, this is funny. I walked out of work one day to go down the street to go to Jewel Osco, which is a grocery store that I fucking hate. Right. <laughs> However, they're the closest to the school as far as having the products that I need. That okay? Any of you who run a kitchen, you know what I'm talking about. You will have a produce guy, a dairy purveyor, a broadliner. You'll have somebody who does your uh, disposables and, and, and chemical wear. And you'll have a linen company and whatever. And then you'll just have to go to the store sometimes to get like a very particular. You need hazelnut oil. And you're like, well, I guess I have to go to Whole Foods or whatever, right? Well, I run the food service for a school. And every so often what I'm going to need is veggie hot dogs that are also gluten-free very hard to find there's one company that makes them it's called light life and for a minute they changed their recipe and they switched to using gluten and uh they got some people sick because they just changed the recipe put the you know the warning on the back under the ingredients it said contains wheat you know as an allergen but they didn't change anything else about it they didn't change the packaging or the labeling uh. or anything and people who had been buying them because they were gluten-free continued to buy them and got sick and there was so much public pressure they switched back so now i can get this again but i'm walking down the street and i see this sign in a window and this sign is two and a half feet tall by three and a half four feet wide license suspended in the um, window of this restaurant called angelina and it's bright neon green. And I was yeah. like, that's hilarious. And so I just took a picture of it and I texted to Steve and I said, oh man, I wish uh, this sign was bigger and easier to read. The next day, Block Club Chicago ran an article about how that place got closed down. So I was not intending for that to be connected, but it was totally connected. <laughs> I, I did wonder, because yeah, there's a, a little something in between there that when you text me, text it to me. But uh, I also like the juxtaposition of the sign, which almost looks like you photoshopped it there because they didn't get it striped. Uh, quite uh i mean it looks perpendicular and centered uh uh, up and down and everything with your camera but not with the window (laughs) but i like the juxtaposition of it and the the tablecloth (laughs) with the uh uh, set table um right inside the window this wasn't just a like a panera type place that you went in they have tablecloths so this article like i said comes from block club which if you live in chicago and you don't subscribe to some of the block clubs (sighs) It's worth it. It is totally worth it because you can get, like, individual neighborhood news. And the subscription, I don't remember what I pay. It's not much. Um, so this is the one for Lakeview. Angelina Ristorante closed after health inspector finds more than 40 live roaches. And this is from November 30th. Uh, right off the bat, Steve, that's gross. That's very, very gross. The 40? Yeah. It's also a very specific yeah. number. <laughs> yes. Like, Okay. The subtitle is, The Roaches Were Spotted in the Building's Basement, First Floor, and Second Floor. Angelina will be closed until it passes another inspection. Now, let me just say this. Is this egregious? Yes. Right? However, this kind of stuff can happen in a hurry. Right? And it can go unnoticed. I don't know. 40 is a lot, man. So, like, do I want to say that these people are victims of circumstance of some kind? Maybe. The thing about Lakeview in Chicago is I don't know if it's the age of the drain system or the the way that the sewer is laid out or whatever. But if it rains too hard in Lakeview, we're talking especially in the spring and the fall, bugs come up out of your drains. That just happens, right? It's a thing that happens. 
Do 40 of them come out and get into all three floors of your building? Not all at once. No, no, no. So <laughs> Including this is, the coolers. Right. So this is a problem they have had for a while. Uh, and I can't... Um, I can't let them off the hook for this one. I don't want to roast this restaurant. Like, I've never eaten there. I don't know anything about it. I just know that, boy, you don't get shut down like this by the health department for, like, on a whim, right? Like, you've got to be – it's got to be bad. So uh, here's here's a question. What's your roach limit? Here's the thing. You're going to see them, right? Like, any, any chef, cook, busboy, front-of-the-house manager – who tells you I've never seen a roach in a restaurant where I've worked is lying to your face. You're going to see them. Now, here's the thing. If you see them and they're real sluggish and they're moving along kind of like they don't care about stuff or they're upside down, that means that whatever pest control system you have in place is working. That is an animal that's dying. It's been poisoned, right? Great. That's what you want because you're going to see them. What you don't want to see is you flip a light on and there's a ton of motion on the floor and then you don't <laughs> see any more roaches, right? Yeah. That's not what you want to see. Those are very active, alive, real happy roaches. They're just getting out of your way. That's not what you want. You want to see the one that comes out from underneath the hotline and is just kind of chugging along doing their own thing, going slowly enough you can stomp on them. Because that is an animal that's been poisoned and is going to die. Because what you should have in a restaurant is a pest control situation where you have a company coming in that is either laying traps checking traps spraying around the edges of the walls and such on a regular basis and i'll be honest with you it's either two weeks or or once a month it's on the regular especially if you're operating in a place that has a basement kitchen basements are so gross they are always so gross uh, the best way to do it is kill it with fire right like you need to have that situation in place where you've got a a smithereen or you've got a um I can't come up with any of the other pest management companies here in town uh, coming in on the regular. And anytime, so the nice thing about these uh, companies too, anytime you you see fruit flies, you see regular fry, flies, you see ants, they will come next day. That's what they do. They'll come next day because they don't want to have one of their customers get shut down like this. That's a black mark for them too. Yeah, and this is it's one of those things where it's like uh, if you have a if you have a home in a termite area an area yeah. that's known for termites you put out the traps and you have them around your house before you get termites yeah. you do that as a preventative thing not you don't wait for the termites and, the, and then deal with the termites so i imagine especially in a city it's the same way well and one of the reasons uh, for, for cockroaches and or whatever pests and one of the reasons i asked is because uh when we were down there um there's a place i won't name it um not because of anything bad but it, it's it's a chain but they have a burger deal on uh mondays or maybe it was tuesdays when we were at my uh in-laws and they're like hey we do this a lot on tuesday um it's like a seven dollar burger tuesday or whatever and so uh they took us there and we're sitting in the booth and kayla goes oh and she points and behind us kind of in the next booth on the wall is a roach and um, so everyone gets out of the booth because uh, <laughs> you're confined and you don't want to be like, yeah. you know, confined with it. And I grabbed the, the little drink menu. Yeah. And I climbed on the seat of the, the booth there, the next booth. And the, meanwhile, our waitress has come back and she's like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I I hit it with, uh, you know, I, I kill it with the thing. And then I, I take it down and uh, I go into the men's room to 
rinse it off yeah and she's like the waitress is like uh you can just leave that whole thing in there <laughs> and i was like no it's okay and so i i i rinsed it off and uh, or and took some paper towel or whatever and, and put it in the toilet um and because initially i was just headed for the sani bucket and i was like nobody wants roach legs in the sani bucket <laughs> right, so right. i i went to the bathroom and wiped it off there and then i said you know the sanitizer is probably going to be fine now because everything was off it it just needed uh yeah. something so I, I i she took it but she took it you know with just just little fingers um, yeah like you handed her a dead snake or something yeah right right and then i don't know where i don't know where she she put it and my mother-in-law had jokingly said that she's like well that deserves a free meal or something like that and then we just moved to a table because we'd already ordered i think had we not ordered i was i was actually very proud of um my mother-in-law and and kayla as well because kayla doesn't is not a bug person yeah uh, i don't know if my father-in-law is or not but i was i was actually i was happy that we stayed um, because my, my feeling was when I saw it, I was like, well, it's Florida. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, it's like someone, it's not, it's, it was on the, the wall furthest from the kitchen. Like, uh, we were seated against the wall with the window and all the way on the other side of the building was the bar and the kitchen was behind the bar. So it's yeah, like someone left the door open or it came in when someone opened the door. I, I don't think it was living there and yeah. it died there. Uh-huh. So, um. You know, uh, but yeah, we stayed and we ate. I don't know as they'll be back. <laughs> I don't know as my uh, in-laws will go back, but they're moving soon anyway, so not a big deal. Yeah, and the thing is, is like, I don't want to be flippant about it because when you hear about a thing like this, this Angelina restaurant, you don't get forty roaches. Like I said, in a hurry. That's that's an issue. That is a yeah. That's a sanitation issue. That's a consistency of cleaning issue, right? You're gonna see them. These are animals that live in the world and were eating in a restaurant that exists in the world, right? So, like, you're going to see stuff throughout the course of your life. I was at a taco place in Houston, Texas, and it was a taco place that I really, really liked. And we sat down, and there were menus on the table already, and I lifted the menu, and a roach ran out from underneath it. Did we stay and eat those tacos? Hell yes, we did. They were great tacos. But also, the same as Florida, like, eh, it's it's a little bit of that um, American tale, right? want to move to america where the streets are paved with cheese if you move to houston texas the streets are paved with roaches right like that's just a gross (laughs) dirty town that's that's subtropical and there's a lot of roaches that live there you make your decisions about stuff like this to you have to think about it like you're building a, a home right so if your restaurant is clean if you're sweeping all the way to the wall underneath your equipment if you are mopping if your drain covers are good if the covers on your um sink drains are good if where the pipes go into the wall you've got insulation around there and you're drying everything all the time you're not building a place where animals like that can come in and live and reproduce because guaranteed 40 roaches didn't get off of the bus and walk into that restaurant right yeah like they had been they had been living that's a breeding population they lived in that restaurant but what had to happen is the first two that showed up had to dig it. They had to say, I can find water, I can find shelter, I can find food. And what you do is you just deny those animals that stuff. In in my company, when we train our staff, and we demand that every location where we have one of our food service operations, that they have an integrated pest management system, right? And in some cases, the buildings already have them because they're schools. A lot of them already have them. If they don't, 
my company demands that one be implemented and it's at the client's cost because we're not going to operate in a dirty ass kitchen right yeah however on top of that my staff and all of the staff at every location for for my my company were trained on exactly that we're trained on here's how to clean the loading dock here's how to clean the dumpster area here's how to like here's how high up off the ground all your stuff and dry storage needs to be if you see a crack in the wall here's how to fix it all of that kind of stuff because can you prevent them from getting in yeah but there are so many ways that pests can come in what you really want to do is discourage them from staying you just want to make it so that they don't want to live there yeah this place you don't you don't get 40 roaches because you're keeping your kitchen clean yeah. You, you get you get them in there because they want to live there. Well, and now it is possible, although unlikely, I think, in this instance, but it's possible, especially in a city like Chicago or New York, that it's your neighbor's yes. fault. Um, that could that could be a, an issue. But, uh, um, yeah, you, that, that's why you have pest control, because, it, yeah. Right. Well, and exactly that. So if you have a dirty restaurant next to you, and their pest issues are becoming your pest issues, then your pest control measures should account for that. They yeah. should prevent them. Because, again, bugs don't want to go where they're not welcome. Right? They'll try, and if they stumble across some poison, they will die, and the other bugs will know not to go there. Right? But if they go in and they find food, water, and shelter, they're going to tell everybody they know. And the same is true for rats. The same is true for mice. The same is true for all the pests that you get dinged for uh, having in your place by the health department. Yeah. Uh, now, how big are the roaches in Chicago? So they are the like two inches. They're the okay. big ones. Yeah, but we we don't generally have the real little guys. See, because this is this is what I was going to ask. It's been a while since I've told this story, so I'll I'll preface it with this: when Ben and I were in college, um, I moved. Was it? I think it was the first apartment that I moved to out of the dorms. Maybe. Yeah. No, no, no. That was with Dan. So this would have been. The second one, because that's okay. where I lived until I graduated. Um, and this place was on the side of a hill. You had to climb like two flights of stairs <laughs> yeah. to get to my apartment. And then the back of the apartment opened to ground level because it was kind of in the side of a hill. And there's kind of a little cul-de-sac-esque little thing that kind of went into the side of the hill as well. If you didn't turn into either apartment building, Ben, uh, because we were young and uh, inexperienced in the world, agreed <laughs> to help me move. And uh, I had a dresser, like a tall, tall boy dresser or whatever, chest of drawers, like a regular full size, you know, upright one. And uh, it was in the back. I don't know what we had it in the back of a van, maybe or something. Uh, I don't know how we got it there. Uh, And uh, Ben looked at it, looked at the hill, grabbed the dresser, like maybe with one (laughs) hand, like in my memory, it's one hand. And he just charged up the hill like he's taking Omaha Beach with my dresser, um, probably in through the patio door on the back. Um, so I just, that is something that's always amused me, but that apartment, now Ben knows which one I'm talking about yeah, and yeah, everyone yeah. else can maybe picture it built maybe in the sixties. I don't know. I don't know. It, was, it was very sixties poured concrete bunker yeah. apartment building. Yeah. Yeah. Big glass front making it kind of look like, Oh, this place is nice. But only if you, <laughs> that's all you look at. Um, and I mean, it had been around for a while. But anyway, at one point, I remember there someone telling me, "Oh yeah, there, there's we, we have a cockroach infestation." And I was like, "What, really?" Because all the cockroaches I imagine have ever imagined are the ones from Men in Black that yeah, yeah. Uh, D'Onofrio has crawling all over him as he's the giant bug man. Yeah. Um, 
Like that, that to me is a cockroach. And these were the little ones. They were, yeah. and I was like, oh, I do remember seeing some little bugs, but it never went in my brain like cockroaches. Um, and so I thought, well, do we even get the big ones up, up this far north? Um, and of course you do in the city because I know I saw some in Chicago, but that yeah. that was my. I just wanted to double check because I was like, yeah, down in Florida it was yeah, it was the two inch or maybe two and a half inch. It was a big roach, but it wasn't like I I became a little immune to it after. Um, I worked for a moving company for a brief period of time when I lived in Florida and we moved some people to Miami and I, and I think it was a saw palmetto bug or a yep. palmetto bug. And that thing was as big as my head and antenna that looked like it was a dune buggy, um, you know, like right. going back to the, and, uh, it flying around a gas station and, um, you know, grown men squealing like girls as they're trying to pump gas because this thing's flying around. Well, I've always said those things are roughly the same size and weight as a catcher's mitt. <laughs> they're huge it's a huge animal yeah yes so 40 of those in the kitchen and you have staff is what you have you have yeah. a new yeah, yeah. new line i mean really you should they should have been paying them yes <laughs> or charging them rent one of the two yeah yeah either or yeah but again it's it's also i mean it is fairly easy to go from zero roaches to like one and then from one to two is pretty is pretty easy to go from two to 40 is a big jump right and that's yeah. where that's where you catch it when you go because when you see roaches in a restaurant they are looking for food if they already know where the food is you're not going to see them because they're there right yeah. they're going to be in dry storage under a rack um back where something is dripping something is leaking something has spilled right you're not going to see them that's where they're going to live that's where they're going to breed that's why you clean those areas out as well as you're supposed to you know yeah. it's a very easy thing to overlook now i did see to quote from this article article the lakeview staple which opened in 1988 is known for its fresh pasta and seafood 88 if it's the same owners they're maybe their eyesight ain't great right like maybe some <laughs> things are starting to slip because they're just really old restaurant people i don't know yeah well and it, i mean I, i'm assuming i'm assuming that 40 might be a um not like i mean maybe it was a nice round number but my assumption is that whoever is inspection inspecting saw one saw more than one and then knew where to look to find more right obviously they just weren't out and about but it was like okay i i have a feeling here and now it's like yeah. we're gonna lift up this poster and oh, look joe's apartment <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen quick tip you're getting inspected nothing you're gonna do while you're getting inspected is gonna sway the inspector one way or the other it's all preparation right so I got to give it up to the CIA for this one, the Culinary Institute of America. Preparation is everything, which is their motto. When a health inspector arrives, if you're doing the simple stuff, if you're doing the the easy checklist stuff, they are going to do, they're not going to do what Steve just said. They're not going to go looking for stuff, right? So if they come in and you've got your business license and your manager san, uh, surf safe sanitation license ready to go, and you've got your pest control log and you've got time and temperature logs and you've got stuff like that if you're taking the temperature on your dish machine if all of your light bulbs are good then the health inspector is going to get a little bit more comfortable and they're not going to go looking but the minute they see a roach they're going to go looking for all the other ones they're going to poke around in all the dark corners they're going to look at whether or not you have a sweep underneath your back door because that's one of the ways that those bugs get in. They're going to check every single pipe fitting that goes into every wall to see if all of those are 
uh, sealed up, and the reason for that is twofold. The first reason is because they are honestly in charge of making sure that you are keeping your customers safe. That is the primary, uh, that is the secondary purpose of the health department. The primary purpose is every single time they find something fucked up, they're going to charge you for it. It is a money, there's a reason why in the city of Chicago, the health department falls under the Department of Finance. They want to charge you money. You're never going to ace a health inspection in Chicago. They have to make it worth their while to come out there. So do the easy stuff. They're going to feel pretty good about it. Make sure you have thermometers and all your coolers, things like that. And then they're not going to go with a flashlight underneath all of the racks in your dry storage, you know, looking for mouse poop. Yeah. Um, a couple other things. One, uh, I mean, I imagine it's easier to let the 40 roaches eat the mold off your jam than to scrape <laughs> it off yourself. Right. Uh, um, Put it to thing, work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what is like, well, but three of those roaches are serve safe certified. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> right. That's not a roach. That's one of our front of the house managers. <laughs> it just looks like a roach. <laughs> don't, don't say that to his face. Um, at CJ's, I never remember seeing a roach, and we did compost. Is yeah. it because the compost was outside? <laughs> and it's yes. like, yeah. the, they just, they could, they had their smorgasbord out there, so there's no need for them to come inside? That's a possibility. I don't know. I was shocked that we saw very, very little infestation of anything at CJ's because that building was so old and there were holes everywhere. Now, having said that, in the four and a half years that I worked there, we never once got health inspected. So who knows? We could have been completely <laughs> operating illegally there. I have no idea. Luckily, I was not actually in charge like i was in charge of my little part of the world but yeah if if that was if there was any actual illegality going on there i was not the one who was going to be in trouble so whatever little did we know every time the grease trap clogged it was really just a whole bunch of roaches trying to get through (laughs) and that died you know somewhere in one of those pipes right yeah yeah i we occasionally see them in my kitchen now it happens we're attached to a much larger building there are doors and windows everywhere right yeah. like the, the place is just huge and again in chicago it rains too hard or especially this time of year steve it's getting cold out animals try to come into buildings when it gets cold they don't want to freeze to death and, and, and die in chicago right i get that part we're extra vigilant right and yeah. the head of maintenance at the school where i work is great all i have to do is text him and he's got our integrated pest management company on site in a couple of hours it's great I was. I'm glad that you ate at the taco place. Did you kill it when you saw it at the taco place? Or it, did it get got away? away too fast. I don't know if we would have stuck around, been able to stick around if it, if it would have gotten away. Just the heebie-jeebies in terms of maybe it's going to crawl up my leg. But uh, I was glad that you stayed because I didn't know if I was crazy for staying because I was like, it's. I don't. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's one roach. It's on this wall. It's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to make sure. Well, and your waitress was shocked which is what you want you don't want yeah. to be like oh there's another roach like no, no you don't want that because then yeah. that Ted is back exactly yeah <laughs> we got another one no then you've got to get out of there yeah <laughs> that's a good call that is good yeah or if all of the wait staff are wearing like a holstered fly swatter nah you don't want to be there either <laughs> they're all wearing rubber boots and they have a can of raid <laughs> in their apron <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's yeah. not the place you want to go. Nor are we accusing Angelina Restaurant in Lakeview, Chicago, of operating that way, you know? Right. Right. Maybe someone's doing some demo in the building next door and they or like you said, rain and this yeah. is they all they all ran in and scurried wherever they could, which happened to be all three floors of the Okay, never mind. Yeah, they all ran in at the same time to three different floors of the building while the place was getting health inspected. That yeah. would be like the worst luck of all time. 
the the other restaurant across the street, uh, Angelina's uh, employees <laughs> came over with cockro- forty cockroaches in little boxes, uh, distributed them to each floor. Man, now that's and I've I've never done this, nor will I ever do this, because I it, 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 this this is beyond the pale for me. But I have heard credible reports of this happening, which is. You are either fired from a restaurant or you quit under really bad circumstances and you feel like you got ripped off by the restaurant. You were an employee, whatever. You were a cook or whatever. You call the health department and you report, you know, some some unsanitary conditions. The health department generally does respond to those. And so if you want to really screw with the people who just fired you or you just left the restaurant, I mean, they'll get inspected. And they'll get inspected like to the level of specificity you give them. So if you call up the health department and you're like, hey, I just quit Angelina's, they've got 40 roaches hanging out, that's also what the health department's going to be looking for, right? I don't know if there are, like, code words you have to use to get the health department to take you seriously or whatever, but because I've never done that. But I have heard stories of people in this city doing that to former employers and having it not work out well for the former employer. How well, not that I know that you've never done it, but how well would it worked have worked out for the places where you worked? Well, the burger place had a situation not unlike Squirrel that you were just referencing a minute ago. The basement prep area was not um, inspectable in as much as it was not a, a food service uh, location that the city would have dug they would not have thought that that was cool so when we got health inspections we had to like pile a bunch of stuff up on the table down there and obscure the slicer that was down there to make it look like that was just storage and was not an active food prep kind of an area you can have coolers you can have dry storage whatever but unless there are certain things taken into account like the way you seal the walls the way the floor is 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 set and stuff like that because that basement would consistently flood and you can't have a prep area where you've got, like, raw sewage, you know? Yeah. So that would have worked there. I could have called the health department on Restaurant B um, for any number of things, up to and including the fact that the basement was fucking dangerous, right? Like, that thing was awful. There also, like, it just wasn't a proper work environment. I think the basement ceiling was, like, six and a half feet or seven feet. Uh, yeah, like, it was yeah. not good. The cooler maintenance down there was not great. We've talked about this before, that, like... The owner would get very frustrated when the meat deliveries would come in and he would just put them wherever he wanted to in that cooler. And it would be like, there's prepped LTO setups here, right? Lettuce, tomato, onion setups. And you just put raw beef over them. Like, that's just against health code. You're not allowed to do that. And he would just do it anyway. Stuff like that. And honestly, looking back, every place I've ever worked has had enough. Because you have to. If it was up to the health department, no restaurant would operate ever because of how strict the rules are. And I get that. But like... If I thought about it real hard, I could probably pick out two things for every place I've ever worked where I could have called the health department the next day and just been like, go get them, boys. If I wanted to be real, like, vengeful and weird about it. Yeah. I mean, if I think about every place I've worked, I'm sure not health, not health department because they yeah, I haven't worked in that many restaurants. But I'm sure they'd be like, you know what? I'm sure there's some OSHA violations going on around here somewhere. <laughs> right. Right. Um, some things that I shouldn't have been doing um, as a student or whatever, you know, at a place, but, but was too... Uh, um, either too naive to understand or it wasn't even on my radar because I wasn't concerned about it kind of yeah. thing. At my current job, there would be some real nitpicky shit. Like we've got a, uh, a piece of ceiling where a support post went up through the drop ceiling into like the concrete above it. 
and it never really got finished. So there's there's a space, there's a gap, there's about a four inch gap that's maybe an inch and a half wide, where they cut like a a rectangle out because they didn't know exactly where that support was going to go. We got dinged by the health department for that one time like six years ago, and I told maintenance about it, and they never fixed it. We could probably get in trouble for that now, but like everything else. Coolers are all good. Product rotation is all good. We label all the dry storage stuff that comes in. Like, my company's kind of anal about that. We train to health department standards, you know? And it's rare. It's rare in my industry to have companies that, like, that kind of training is boring and dumb. And everybody hates it. <laughs> and so a lot of places just don't do it. And then they suffer the consequences later. But a company even the size of mine is almost always willing to just like pay the fine and whatever. My company would much rather have staff that know how to handle themselves and know that we're serving a better product because of it. We're keeping people safer because of it. And then we also don't have to pay fines, right? And fees, which is great. It's a little trickier at my location because there is another food service operation in the building that uses our kitchen when we're not there and they have distinct coolers and the health department has always told me we cannot inspect the operations we're inspecting the physical kitchen and i get in trouble when the other operation has like just madness in their coolers in the last two years it's gotten a lot better because they have a new food service director but uh in the past like i have gotten in trouble because it's my certification on the wall for that operation having just like leftovers in their coolers with no labels no dates no nothing and the health inspector's going what is this and i'm like i don't know it's not my stuff right and then the other operation because they work opposite hours of us they never have a representative in the building when we get inspected like motherfuckers somebody's got to be here to talk to this person they never are (laughs) that would be rough yeah um glad that it's getting better though uh yeah and i hope i'm not jinxing it we haven't been inspected since about like October last year, October 2022. But for the longest time, we were like an April inspect. And so I hope we're back to that and I don't have to worry about it for a while. But again, like, it's just a bummer. It's not, I'm not worried we're going to get shut down. I'm not worried we have major violations because I know we don't. Yeah. I think it's smarter, especially for a company like yours that's that's uh, contracting with schools and stuff, yeah. uh, especially uh, um, primary and secondary schools, not just colleges. But uh to be, because it's a liability issue at some point too and your company can say look if everything's done the way it should be and we make sure that it is then this you know y- you the customer you know aren't going to be liable for anything and we're not going to be liable for anything because everything's going to be done correctly well right and then you don't run into a situation like that canadian daycare right like it's it's in in a long-term sense it's easier to train your staff and maintain that training and maintain that expectation of the level of cleanliness we're going to operate with is higher than we need to. It's it's ridiculous. Because we not only don't want to pay fines, we don't want to have a, an interruption of our service and all that. We don't want to end up like fueling mines. That company will have to rebrand. That company, like they're going to lose an enormous amount of money and they really hurt people. So... Yeah, are the odds of that happening very high? No, but if they do, it's awful. So all we have to do is do a little extra training, do a little extra work, and then that extra work, you just get used to it. None of my staff right now complains about the kind of the level of cleaning we do, the level of sanitation we do, the labeling, the rotating. None of them complain about it. It's just what we do. We're not going to have an outbreak that's going to put 1,500 people in the hospital. 
Yeah. Never going to happen. I imagine in some ways you're gonna you're wrecking your staff because they're gonna end up at some place down the road and they're like, "You want me to do what now?" Yeah, that is patently unsafe. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's a thing that we've talked about in the past in my career, which is that I'll go to a restaurant and they're like, "Oh, we do this this way," and I'm like, <laughs> "Gross." And yeah, as a cook, you run into that situation where you're like, "Well." Am I this annotation nerd and is everybody going to hate me or do I decrease my own standards? I, I've done both. To be completely honest, I've done both. I have, I've been the cool guy who wanted to fit in and I've, I've changed the way that I operated to suit the restaurant. And in some cases, I've been the guy that's like, that's wrong. We can't do this anymore. To people I mean, who have been doing it forever. you know. Yeah. Well, I imagine some of it is, is I mean, you, everybody has a line, right? So yeah. I would imagine that if it's like, okay, this this turkey that you're thawing over the salads that's dripping into the salads yeah is like you're not going to allow that to happen that's right. just going to be a no we're throwing the salad out and we're moving the turkey and we're doing this the right way because um you know if, if you if you don't do anything to correct it and someone does get sick now it's also on your conscience uh-huh. um and and who wants that right so but but if it's something small and and insignificant that yeah it's a health like the like the ceiling tile you know, yeah. you walk into a place, you're not going to look up and be like, oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> you, you haven't you haven't sprayed great stuff around that pipe going into the wall. I'm out of here. You, you know, um, so th- there are definitely levels. But the other thing I was going to say, kind of in the same level or note or uh, same ballpark is, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but percentage wise, especially in this, like in Chicago, um, even your space, like how ma- what's the percentage of spaces that were built to be kitchens? Or built to be restaurants, even. Oh, I have no idea. Um, it's got to be fewer than you think. Yeah. And that's the other thing I was thinking about with this Angelina place is like 40 roaches in my kitchen, which is a... I complained about my kitchen being small. It's a pretty big space, right? That would be insane. That would be... We would be screaming and jumping on the tables, right? Our kitchen, just based on walking past that restaurant, has got to be four times the size of that kitchen. So, yeah, no joke. Like, those roaches had name tags, right? They had, like, <laughs> they, they had tax ID numbers and stuff. Like, they, that, you wouldn't be able to miss them because also, that kitchen space would have been tiny. It's, it mentions three floors, but looking at this, I'm assuming, okay, basement with coolers probably and some storage, uh, kitchen. But what's on the, the third floor? Do they have two basements? Are they counting the apartments above? What? I would not be surprised to find out that it's, like, uh, private dining rooms upstairs oh, like a banquet okay. hall kind of thing gotcha gotcha and if that's the case maybe you've got a um, a bus station or a server station or a sideboard like side work kind of a station thing that has a garbage can that has stuff that's slopped behind it that never got cleaned and you move the garbage can and 22 roaches come out <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever it is <laughs> uh and also looking just looking at this picture this uh th- this does not look like a new building no uh and if it's been angelina since 88 yeah. Um, but who knows what it was before then? Who knows what the building was when it was first built? Being Chicago, maybe they were slaughtering pigs in there. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, y- yes, a lot of a lot of spaces. A lot of times you have to make do with what you have, and it wouldn't be the way you did things if you had your druthers. But you just you know circumstances being what they are, you you just deal with what you have, and you're as safe as you can be given the circumstances. Not that yeah. that's always enough, but. Well, and erring on the side of safety and doing more work as far as prevention is more work. That's always going to be a bummer. But not getting shut down is the goal. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Every sure. day you're not shut down, it's worth it. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about what New York does with the letter grades? I wish there was a better sense on the public side of what those grades meant. Because I'll be honest, I don't necessarily know what they mean. Like, how how much more uncomfortable should I be at a restaurant that got a C <laughs> than a B, right? Right. Like, I right, don't yeah. know. I don't know what that yes. means. Chicago being a pass-fail town, I'm a bigger fan of that. Because on the the user side, right, on the restaurant operator side, it's not pass-fail so much. It's pass pass with exemptions, pass with criteria, and then fail. And pass with criteria is like, you need to fix this, we're coming back in 10 days. Pass with exemptions is you're paying fines for stuff and it's expected that you're going to fix those things. And the next time you get inspected, you better fix those things. Fail is the big green sign. Yeah, it is a big green sign too. It's a giant green sign. So, I mean, you're supposed to post those, but they all, the the pass, pass with exemption and pass with criteria, they all look the same. It's a white piece of paper. Unless you get real close to it, you're not going to see what it is. Yeah. So the letter grade thing, I bet that's more of a veiled threat to the restaurants themselves rather than being something that gives actual usable information to the clientele. Yeah, you're just trying to shame them into fixing things. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Well, Although, and I, I mean, I've said it before. When Chicago a couple of years ago switched to using the um, FDA guidelines on how to do that and they got rid of their like 7,000 page book that had just been added to and had never been edited since like the 1800s everybody in Chicago sighed a huge sigh of relief because you yeah. could get a health inspector who would take you up to the third floor of your school and right on your health inspection there was rust on one of the drinking fountains and you're like I don't operate the fucking drinking fountains what's wrong with you and then demand that you go with her into a middle school girls bathroom to check the water temperature in those sinks and you're like I shouldn't be in this room I don't operate bathrooms in a private school in Chicago right so you'll get somebody who does that and then meanwhile you'll get somebody who comes in and she's delightful and she's super pregnant and she's there for about 20 minutes doesn't look at a fucking thing passes you and leaves and you're like this is the best inspection I ever got in my life <laughs> now that's not the case the last two inspections we've had have been the same person she comes in with a list here's what we talked about last time did you fix these things like it's real business like it's real checklist oriented it's great yeah uh, I say that as somebody who's passed every inspection I've ever had at this place. So, yeah, I think it's great. But, like, man, I had one guy come in didn't want to see dry storage at all. I was like, <laughs> okay, weirdo, you know. But was obsessed with the fact that one of our coolers, the thermometer on the inside, read a different temperature than the thermometer on the outside. And I was like, that's why we have thermometers on the inside. And he just kept on repeating it. And I was like, am I in trouble for something? Because... That's why, because you can't trust the cooler thermometer that's on the outside. That's why we have the ones on the inside. Dude, it was weird. <laughs> but now that doesn't happen, which is awesome. Yeah, and you don't have to have awkward conversations like, Jamie, um, you have to get rid of the black lipstick because evidently there's one of these that says we can't have witches churning butter. Yeah. Which yeah. they've interpreted to mean that you can't be <laughs> making the bread. And so just if you can get rid of the lipstick, we'll be fine. Yeah. So again, I hope that when we come together again, this time next week, we're not talking about my surprise inspection. <laughs> I hope I'm not jinxing it. But again, it's just a bummer. That's all it is. We yeah. do everything right at my shop for a given value of everything, right? Like you can't do everything right. Yeah. 
we do everything right enough and nobody's ever gotten hurt in my space at this school because of like food spoilage or health department related stuff people have had like when we do smoothie day steve we have kids go to the nurse's office and the nurse is like hey how about you don't let the kids have 17 smoothies and i'm like hey they love them how about you shut up right like that sort of thing. <laughs> we have kids who are like yeah i drank two quarts of smoothies well okay so you're gonna have a tummy ache we've never had anybody who's like I think this chicken's bad. I just threw up into a garbage can, right? Like, that doesn't happen at my shop. Yeah. Which is great. Hopefully the opposite never happens, too. I think this garbage is bad. I just threw up into a chicken. (laughs) Right, right. Also not good. Yeah. Not a good sign. All right. So now that we've done an hour on health inspections, (laughs) where do you want to go from there? Oh, you know what I want to do? Steve, we got a heist. Oh, okay. Yes. Is it which one is this? I, re- I think I remember you selling, sending this to me. Let's see if I can find it. I'm gonna have to bring it up on oh. my phone because I brought it up on my browser and it's telling me I have an ad blocker. Which, duh, I know I have an ad blocker, but it won't let me read the article anymore. This was sent to us by Taylor. Thank you, Taylor. We are always up for a good heist. <sighs> oh, I know, right? This one, I don't know if it's a good heist, but it is a heist, and you gotta you gotta respect the hustle, right? Yeah. Pilgrim's Pride truck driver arrested for stealing 33,000 pounds of chicken. Awesome. Right off the bat, like, the chutzpah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sumter, South Carolina. A Pilgrim's Pride delivery truck driver was arrested on November 25th for theft of approximately 33,000 pounds of chicken, according to the Sumter County Sheriff's Office. This is from (laughs) meatandpoultry.com. I'm sorry, I'm just noticing that's what this is. I'm going to have to subscribe to this website. Uh, So this person's name is Christopher Thomas, 55, hired by Pilgrim's Pride. So this must be someone who owns their own truck and does uh, contract work. Sure. Owned, I imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Hired by Pilgrim's Pride to deliver 41,000 pounds of chicken, valued at around $80,000, to two locations in georgia investigators believe thomas sold part of the load he was transporting at various locations so it was like a a newspaper route but for chicken Uh, yes also that's like two dollars a pound for chicken is that good wholesale yeah and then they would mark that up to what's chicken going for these days 295 to 315 depending on the cut not so a huge just, markup, to be honest. No, that, that's not much of a markup. Uh, so there was a tip. Somebody tipped off the sheriff's office. Does not say who, which I guess that makes sense. But, like, let's think about this for a second, Steve. Who would know and who would have the reason to tip off the sheriff's department about that? Um, the truck driver's partner perhaps was not, was upset that they were stealing chicken. Um, okay. Uh, maybe someone, maybe someone who was shorted some chicken on their order. If that happened, I don't know. Like if it's like a, you dirty rat kind of situation, then to me, it's like someone who bought some chicken from this guy and there's like, this chicken is no good. So like the, like your, uh, proverbial, uh, line worker leaving and calling the health department. This yeah. person bought some chicken, was not satisfied with their uh, black market chicken, and then ratted out the uh, chicken thief. Hmm. Following the tip, law enforcement officials traveled to where Thomas had agreed to meet a buyer 
Upon the truck driver's arrival at the location, law enforcement performed a traffic stop. Now, this seems like it would have been that buyer that tipped him off, that potential buyer. Like maybe yeah. they started feeling guilty because if they went to the spot where he was, he had agreed to to meet a buyer. Then you would think that the buyer would be culpable as well. Yeah. Yeah. Unless but it doesn't the, sound like yeah. the buyer was there. Yeah. Thomas was arrested with seven pallets loaded with 215 cases of chicken weighing 8,000 pounds. You know, I wonder if he sold the stuff first and didn't make the two scheduled drops and one of the two scheduled like legitimate purchasers was like wait a minute and then called the police yeah that could be too i mean if you can get away with it great it i i i can't imagine how this would be a crime that you could do and get away with and it just doesn't seem like if it was three million dollars worth of chicken i could see taking a swipe at trying to fence that hot chicken but like <laughs> What did it say? It was $80,000 worth of chicken? $80,000, which seems like, I mean, that does, it seems like rather small potatoes, to be honest. Yeah. I I just, I wonder about the motivations here, because, like, you, the the person that you picked the chicken up from, Pilgrim's Pride, they know how much is there. Yeah. The people you're shipping it to, they know how much it's going to be, and they know when it's going to show up, because chicken is very perishable. So they know exactly when it's supposed to show up, exactly how much is there. And if you don't show up, they know who you are, and they know where you are. Because all of these trucks now have a, a essentially a low jack on them. I, is, is this guy just really dumb? <laughs> I don't know. Because, I mean, anywhere, any way station along the way, he would have would have weighed his truck as well, and they'd have yeah. record of that. So there's uh, this is, seems like it's infinitely traceable. Yeah. So it does seem like it's a very, it, it's not a very safe heist. Not, now, not the, a very well thought out heist. Not a very well thought out heist because, like, Steve, we're not master criminals here, but there have been so many truck jackings recently that we've heard of. And we are not even investigating this professionally. We're not spending any time on this, but, like, people keep... Well, okay, so let me put it to you this way. I had a delivery coming from my Broadliner, which comes in a big box truck, right? And it was late. It was later than usual. Because this is on, I get them on Mondays and Thursdays. And on Mondays, my delivery is usually later. And on Thursdays, my guy Tim is just, like embarrassingly early. Dude shows up at like 7, right? Because Tim wants to deliver all of his shit and go the fuck home. My guy on Monday tends to change. And yeah, it'll be like noon. It'll be like 1. And usually I'm out of work by like 2.30. So if it's after 1, I'm starting to get a little twitchy. I don't want to be there all day waiting for this. So I emailed my rep because uh, I've had with this company six reps now, seven reps over the last eight years. And uh, this one in particular does not want me to have her phone number. Uh, email is the preferred method of communication because then she can ignore me for like two weeks. I emailed her and was like, hey, I haven't seen my truck. What's going on? It's getting kind of late in the day. And before she responded to me, the truck did arrive. So I emailed her back and said, never mind, you know, the guy just got here. She said, that's a relief. We had a truck get stolen yesterday. I was really hoping it was not the one that was, you know, because the way they schedule, they schedule a long time out. She goes, I was really hoping it was not yours. I was asking around to find out. And it was <laughs> like the guy loaded up, like the truck was loaded up in their lot. The driver got in and he drove away uh, and stopped to get like breakfast or coffee or something on the way. And he came back out and the truck was gone. Like it had just been stolen wow so now why doesn't this chicken thief stage something like that yeah how hard is it to fence forty thousand pounds of chicken 
at a couple of different stops and then call the Pilgrim's Pride and be like, have you guys seen my truck? It just got stolen. Well, I think, I mean, if you're an independent operator, if you're a truck driver, I mean, that truck is not cheap if he owns it. So he doesn't want to have to, I mean, that that chicken was not worth the truck. Right. So if if he has to fake that his truck got stolen, does that mean he he has to then burn the truck somewhere like burn it to the ground and like, Oh no. And then also commit insurance fraud or whatever, because <laughs> it's like, no, no, you got to keep your truck. You can't let someone else like take it or whatever. So I don't know. You'd have to like find a nice place to hide it and then be like, Oh, we found my truck <laughs> later. Well, right. I mean, you, you sell the chicken pocket, the $80,000 drive the truck to a farm, park it, leave all the doors open walk away call the police the police find your truck and you're like yay oh somebody stole all the chicken too everybody wins yeah you don't want to have an accomplice to do any of that part like you have to do some walking because you don't want to call an uber to that location because then uber is going to be like well no we picked that guy up in that field (laughs) where the truck was uh because you don't want to have to split a measly eighty thousand dollars yeah right i say that as somebody who does not have eighty thousand dollars but like heist money $80,000 $80,000 is not heist money. Yeah, if I'm going to go to prison, it's not going to be just for $80,000. Right, right. Especially when you're right. Like, I don't know how much a big rig costs, but like, it's got to be way more than eighty grand, or at least on par with that. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can spend you can spend a hundred and some odd thousand dollars, $120,000 on a camper, you yeah. know, um, so, which is more than my actual house. Like, I could probably <laughs> move my actual house around for less money than that. But, uh. So, I mean, a big rig is, you know, those aren't cheap. Uh, there, there aren't many people that, I, mean, I think a lot of people lease or drive for companies that actually own them. So, I mean, people do own their own trucks, but uh, they're not they're not cheap, and it took a lot of work to get those. So, I don't imagine, like, if that's who that is, then he's he's not, you know, I don't think he's going to put that in, in danger at all. I would Not for $80,000. It's just, right. and maybe he's thinking, that's, he's thinking that the old, uh, the old line they'd give people, uh, like, that the uh, the lady killers in the, the old black and white movie with, um, um, uh, Sir Alec Guinness, where he's the mastermind of this criminal. They're gonna they they stole a bunch of money, and this old woman finds out, and they can they try to convince her that it's fine at some point, being like, "Look, it's all insured. Returning yeah. it would be too much of a hassle because <laughs> the insurance is already paid out to the people whose money it is, so they don't want it back because it's just too much red tape." Yeah. Um. So maybe that's what he was thinking. Well, I didn't make I. I missed those last two deliveries. I was honestly trying, but now it's just too much red tape to take. I'm not driving all this chicken back. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and there's also the other part of it, which let's say he just needed to sell. Because the they were saying that the valuation of the entire shipment was $80,000. Let's say he just needed ten grand for something and was making two quick stops to offload some of it. And then he was going to claim ignorance when he got to the two legitimate drops and just be like, hey... If this is light, you got to take it up with Pilgrim's Pride. This is what they put on my truck. Yeah. That I can see. So maybe yeah. he wasn't trying to offload all of it at these two other spots. Maybe he was just trying to take a little off the top. Maybe it was yeah. a grift. Okay. Because it said he had six pallets. Six pallets sounds like a lot. 8,000 pounds doesn't sound like that much. And at twice the price, that's only $16,000. Yeah. If But but can you sell it at, at wholesale prices if it's hot? Or do you have to sell it? I mean, for you, you don't have to worry about getting anything back. So you could just sell it for a buck a pound. So that's only $8,000 then. Yeah. 
I need more information about this. Yeah. <laughs> really is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I need to know why the heck this guy, like, what he expected his take was, what, because the other thing is that we could be, you know, to a certain degree, wrongfully maligning somebody who really needed a, a fairly small amount of cash in a hurry and yeah. was like, I've got all this chicken in the back of this truck. When I deliver it to these two giant grocery stores, they're not going to weigh it. They're just yeah. going to take whatever I deliver to them and who cares, right? Nobody has to know. Nobody's going to – this is a victimless crime. Yeah. And what he really needed was eight grand for his daughter's new kidney or something, right? Like yeah. who knows? I don't know how in, much kidneys cost. In which, yeah, me either. In which case, I would say, dude, I think that th- missing three pallets, if if that was like for two purveyors, like missing three pallets each is going to be noticed. Missing one pallet, maybe not. Yeah. So maybe you shot a little, you know, overshot your uh, your expectation a little too too much there with oh. your uh, six pallets of. But, yeah. Interesting. I would love to keep following this, but again, this is such a small potatoes kind of thing. I'll be shocked if there's more reporting on it. Yeah, Pilgrim's Pride's not going to start putting it in their ads, that's for sure. Right, right. Don't you try to sell our chicken on the street. We'll get you, Pilgrim's Pride. We've got the most stolen chicken on the market. (laughs) Come get a taste of what everybody wants. I mean, if they immediately put out a recipe for Pilgrim's Pride hot chicken, that would be funny. (laughs) But I'm sure you're right. I'm sure that they just want this to go away. Whatever. Did you just buy some chicken out of someone's trunk? You want to cook that as fast as you can. Here's a good recipe. <laughs> now, also, gross. What if he just pulled over to the side of the road and was just, like, selling? Like, you see those guys who have a van, and they're selling mangoes and watermelons and stuff out of the back of the van, and you know, you know for a fact that those are ill-gotten goods, but you're like, a watermelon for a dollar? Hell yeah. <laughs> what if he just set it up and he was just like, pallets of chicken, $2 a pound? <laughs> get them while they're cool because once they get hot you're not gonna want them yikes yeah i guess i would like to find out what that story is but not so much that i'm gonna really keep an eye on it yeah i don't know how to set up google alerts and i'm not gonna keep coming back to it i'm gonna forget in the next like three days (laughs) but ladies and gentlemen if you hear a heist no heist is too small gonna say that that's the official position of in the weeds of ben randall is no heist is too small let us know if you know about food heists of any sort Yes, we we find them all very interesting because there are so many and varied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you just send me? What's this about counterfeit wine? Well, I something popped up. I think maybe after you sent me this in my newsfeed, and I was looking for that and I couldn't find it. So this was the most recent one of these because I saw some going back to 2014. So this is a well, as this headline says, a lingering stain on the wine industry, <laughs> and it is uh, counterfeiting and. Uh, counterfeiting of wines and i presume i mean on the ship when uh, kayla and i went on the cruise up at the must have been remy um they're the two wines that they give the reviewer in the movie that are just astronomically expensive wines and they have one bottle of each there and one's like ten thousand dollar bottle and the other's like maybe an eight thousand dollar bottle or twenty six thousand or maybe one's 110 i don't know but they were just two stupidly expensive wines that like no one's gonna open and drink yeah because uh, there's a whole Columbo episode about it with, um, oh, I almost had his name, uh, bald guy, um, Donald Pleasance uh, huh. is is the bad guy. That's all about wine, and he's this super, like, his palate is super refined. He runs a winery, and he buys wines to collect. And the thing I don't understand about it is at the end of the episode, the reason that Columbo gets him is because his wine cellar where he is where he put the body, but he turned the air conditioner off. 
um, when he left the guy in there to die. Um, and so when he come, comes back on, uh, comes back, he turns it back on and he thinks everything's fine, but they had a couple of unseasonably warm days while he was away mm. and all the wine is now off. Oh um, no. Because it was in there. But, uh, but those wines are, you collect them. You, they're not for drinking. Right. So I just wondered, so he's at the beach, like just throwing all these super expensive bottles of wine against the rocks because they've been ruined. But my thought is who's ever going to know? <laughs> It's like, why would you do that? I mean, there are there are vintages that people collect specifically for drinking, you know, where a particular year, a particular vintage of a particular uh, wine from this particular vineyard, whatever, is always going to be really, really good if you take care of it and it's in a temperature controlled thing and whatever. And people do drink them, but you're right. A lot of it is status and a lot of it's like people, the way they collect art, you know. Like, yes, yes you're you're not you're they're there to be there not to be enjoyed gastronomically you know right and now i'm presuming this because i've i have not read this entire article but counterfeit wine this is people are are taking crappy wine putting a fake label on it that says chateau enough to pop and charging way more money for it that's what we're saying uh, I'm not sure either because I also I, I didn't really have it. It just reminded me of it when we were talking about the other. But they have they have this thing about labels identifying fake labels. And I remember the the one article that I saw that was talking about the bottles uh, specifically too, like counterfeit bottles. Um, oh, and this says yeah, if buyers discover they have in fact purchased counterfeit bottles, well that'd be a whole bottle of wine, right? So maybe yeah. that's what the uh, the other article meant too. I was thinking like a wine, someone a winery bought counterfeit bottles and i didn't know how that would work it's like isn't a glass bottle a glass bottle how does how does a <laughs> wine bottle an empty wine bottle be, become counterfeit um so but yeah i think it, it it's the it'd be like counterfeit art um it's people that uh and there's i imagine some artistry that goes into it because you have to you have to research and and get the label correct and uh um the other one was also talking about uh oh maybe it goes back to the um uh, the wine underwater. Didn't you send me something about that? I don't recall. Recent Again, it's been weeks. It's been weeks since we uh, <laughs> spoke. Yes. Um, it's just it's just fascinating. So the, I mean, it's not really a heist, but it's like uh, um, if you can't if you can't steal the wine, I guess you make up a fake one, and uh, you sell the sell the bottles that way. So if you're talented at making fake bottles of wine then uh you got yourself a potential um potential job i don't know do you call them jobs uh i mean people call a heist a job so yeah why not <laughs> what's your what, what do you do for a living i counterfeit wine bottles i'm really good at it maybe there is some artistry to it like not just anybody's gonna be able to do that yeah not to not to actually trick people, and then is it like art where it's like, well, we we have some counterfeit ones, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell anyone, like uh, like I have a counterfeit Monet, possibly, but I don't care if it's counterfeit. We're just never gonna tell anyone, and then it's, <laughs> everything's everything's fine. Man, and I so have a counterfeit we, rose. <laughs> <laughs> we we keep going to antique fairs and antique malls and stuff like that, and now like I'm trying my darndest not to just buy goofy old antique kitchen stuff just to have it because I keep doing that, and I'll find things that like I've never seen this thing before, and it's because it was a bad idea, right? Like that Corningware bread tube. I baked in it a little bit. There's no fucking reason to have that thing. There's no reason at all. It's scary. 
the bread that bakes in there, it bakes fine. But like, why do you need a cylindrical loaf of bread, like a perfect cylinder? It's dumb. It's very, very dumb. <laughs> I've used it twice. I'm probably not going to use it again. I have it. Cost me twelve bucks, whatever. But I'm trying not to do that anymore because it is kind of a waste of money. So now when we go to uh, antique stores, all I am looking for is the white and color banded coffee mug that Columbo drinks out of when he's reading the Princess Bride to Fred Savage in the beginning of the <laughs> Princess Bride. That's all I want. It's from the Hudson Bay Ceramics Company in Canada. And they went out of business. They were around for like all the 50s through like the 80s. And that cup, and that cup's kind of ugly. Don't get me wrong. And I only <laughs> want one. And I just know one of these days will be in a an antique mall in like Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I'll turn a corner and it'll be right there underneath like an enormous spotlight with like angels singing and whatever. And I'll find it and I'll have it. <laughs> But that's all I'm looking for anymore. I'm going to try to find an image of it so I can actually picture it. Uh, nope, these are not. It's hard to it's hard to Google that. I'm gonna maybe I'll put Peter Falk's mug because if you just put a Grandpa's mug from Princess Bride, um, you just get a bunch of crap people have made. I love that's a very specific thing to want, um, and I love it. I don't know why. I don't know why. Oh, here here's a picture. Uh, oh, there it is. Hudson Bay Company mug yeah a deliberate oh i see yes a deliberate prop in princess bride i love it i don't know why oh this says was this prop a deliberate insertion or did this only in canada item appear by chance oh that whole room is so deliberate there's no way it wasn't and it, it like they it, it's it's framed like that mug when it's on screen is in the dead center yeah you know, we have a chance, though. We're um, You over there and us over here, we're close enough to Canada that something like that, if it was a Canada-only <laughs> yeah. thing, could have migrated over. Nice. Interesting. So if anyone wants to counterfeit an HBC mug and uh, smuggle it to an <laughs> antique store near Ben, <clears throat> you know how to make a quick right. buck. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've encouraged our kids to make their Christmas lists uh, because it is December 2nd already, or 3rd? 3rd. And uh, my kids lead uh, a slightly more privileged life than I did, which is not anybody's fault. My parents did a great job. We've talked about this before. I thought everybody's mom had a rad uh, vegetable garden. Turns out that's how she was feeding us sometimes, which, you know what? <laughs> Kudos to her. Props to her. She still does it now. She, like, still grows a ton of her own food, uh, even though she lives by herself. My mom's house. I've said this before. Ladies and gentlemen, if you know my mother... You can go to her house right now. It is 8.20 p.m. at her house in Michigan. She's got enough food for about 60 people. Ready to go. <laughs> She's probably already asleep. She's kind of old, but she would be ready to go. Uh, and the food doesn't go bad. My mom finds places for all of this food. It's wild. <laughs> She's a very popular lady. Uh, but my kids do material goods-wise. They're doing better than we did when I was a kid. Also, my parents had four kids, and I only have two. So my kids, I encourage them to make their Christmas shopping, their Christmas lists, because in-laws are asking, and my parents are asking, and stuff like that. And me, all I want is that mug. <laughs> I just want that one thing. I'm also 45, and I could probably... Because they don't sell it. Like, there's no place you can buy that. Even there was one eBay listing that I found that mug in, and it had, it had sold. That person had won. It's like motherfucker, and it was like sixty five dollars. I was like, I'm not into this thing for sixty five bucks. This is just a, this is a lark, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. Why do I want it? I don't know. Probably the, the <laughs> thrill of the chase. Yeah. Well, that's true. I, I love that you're... Uh, when. So w- at what point when you're looking through things, you're like, you know what? I'm going to focus on... Because Kayla and I have had this conversation when we go antiquing as well, or when we're walking around antique places. Like, you really kind of have to have a have a goal or have a thing yeah and it's obvious looking in some booths what someone's thing was it's like oh yeah obviously that person's thing was taxidermy and we're not walking into that booth (laughs) i was just about to say ducks the last one we went to i turned a corner and everything was ducks and like all of the plates because i always go straight for the kitchen stuff right all the plates were like that deep brown with like a duck hunting scene on it i'm like who the hell was eating off of these plates Yeah, my my um, my grandma had the the one the very decorative. They're usually blue, I think, but these were um, burgundy. The the plates with like the cottage or whatever in the middle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. Where do I normally go? Like now, I'm of an age where when I go to antique places and I see toys from my youth, I'm like, "Fuck you! That's not an antique. That's just old and broken plasticky shit from yeah. McDonald's from like 1986. That's not an antique." Yeah. Yeah. But really what I'm looking for are two things. Obviously, I go to the cool old kitchen stuff because I want to find stuff that still has use. Like, they're like, oh, things aren't made the way they used to be. Like, those kind of things where you're like, oh, this is a French fry cutter that was clearly made in the 50s, and it's still sharp. I'll buy that, right? (laughs) Uh, I almost bought a manual meat slicer at a place where you, you had to spin a wheel and it would spin the 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 blade but it would like just hadn't been taken care of well enough and i knew i wouldn't be able to rehab the thing but it was gorgeous it was heavy it was expensive i almost bought it i almost bought a a bread slicer same thing was gorgeous and heavy and well made and just hadn't been taken care of well enough for being like 140 dollars or whatever but i also try to find the most abjectly racist stuff i possibly can not to buy it but just to take pictures of it and make fun of uh antique malls because there's <laughs> always something where it's like a salt and pepper shaker that's like mammy and pappy slaves and you're like holy shit why hasn't this just been pounded into sand and thrown into the ocean you know yeah um for sure and and i do uh, like they the the names that they put on some of that stuff because is that africana or uh <laughs> yeah. like something that they call some of those things that song of the south ass stuff yeah. Okay, this is not the one you want, but I'm going to send it to you anyway. I mean, it's it's close, but I think it's a little bit different. It's from the company. But uh I don't it also wouldn't be an antique because it would be new, I believe. Oh, yeah, I've seen this one. This one's got the little bit of a lift on the bottom. It's not that flat bottom one. Yeah, and the handle I think is a little different and the yeah. stripes seem to be not quite as broad. So, uh very close. Oh, there's a... Oh, shit, it's only 10 bucks. Yeah. Man, they have furniture with the stripes. That's a very nice coffee mug, though. The stripes seem to be their their thing. I mean, can can that be your thing? Can your thing just be stripes? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess is it... (laughs) It's kind of like the Olympic rings, I guess. Those are just rings. Yeah. And here they're like, ah, F your rings. We're just going to do the same colors, but lines. Nice mug. Still not the one I want, which is okay. We were at a Habitat for Humanity. This is we've gone completely off the rails. We were at the <laughs> Habitat for Humanity restore today because I wanted to get a lamp shade 
for this uh, completely unshielded plant light bulb that I have. And I thought they would have a cool old lampshade. They did not. They had an Ikea lampshade, which is going to work fucking perfectly. But while we were there, my wife's into copper these days. So I found this copper tub that she's going to make into a planter that was like 20 bucks. And the Habitat for Humanity Restore is great because it supports Habitat for Humanity, right? Like, awesome. So, to go back to your story about the dresser, we also bought a dresser while we were there. Because that's one of those places where you'll go in there and it's like, oh, I found a Rembrandt for 19 bucks because nobody knew what it was. Like, this dresser is shockingly well made and it's kind of old and it's worth way more than we paid for it. But it was heavy as fuck. And so I did not carry that thing in my house by myself. I had my <laughs> gigantic 14-year-old son help me with it. <laughs> nice. You're beyond, is it, are you beyond those years? Do you think the, the oh, yeah. Yeah, years yeah, yeah. of no charging question. up the hill with the dresser on your yeah. back are over? Yeah. But, I mean, I was probably four years older than my son is now when I did that. So he's in his prime. <laughs> prime prime dressel, dresser wrangling years. Yeah. 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 There. So let's move away from antiques and all of that stuff. Steve, how much cantaloupe do you eat? Not much, to be honest. I'm not much of a melon guy. Good. Neither am I. This is from Food Safety News. Again, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't subscribe to Food Safety News and get their uh, email blast every day, you're probably in a better headspace than I am because I, even as somebody who works in the industry, I learn about this stuff and I'm like, Jesus Christ. So, more people sick in salmonella outbreak as recalls of cantaloupe continue to expand. December 1, 2023. Steve, this article was written by someone named Coral Beach. Do we assume that's a pseudonym? <laughs> or is that actually someone's name? No, I think <laughs> I think it is a pseudonym, and it's for whenever this person is writing melon-based articles. They uh, <laughs> because Coral Beach sounds. Um, I mean, their parents could have been hippies, so maybe this is a real name. But it, yeah. it sounds very peaceful. It sounds like um, an ASMR channel on uh, <laughs> YouTube, Spotify, yeah. or or it's a color of paint at uh sherwin williams oh yeah yeah and you would like so you don't know the gender of your baby and you don't really care but you really want everybody to know you don't really care so you paint the nursery coral beach yes yeah and it's like f you for asking it's coral beach is what we painted this and that's yeah. all the info you're getting it's not a gender reveal it's coral beach okay yeah. so now if this person's <laughs> name actually is coral beach i'm so sorry that we're mocking your name you should be angry at your parents though yeah but that. we also kind of love it so it's not yeah. you know it's yeah. it's in good fun Correct. Be proud, Coral Beach. Now, having said that, if Coral Beach is the name that if they'd have a bunch of staff writers who just knock out articles that are kind of lame and they all just go by Coral Beach, because I've heard that that is a thing that happens in journalism as well. Great. So whoever it is who was writing under the pseudonym this time around, thanks for making me afraid of cantaloupe. Yeah. Uh, also, another possibility before we get into the article itself is perhaps this is what AI named themselves when they wrote this article. <laughs> I'll trick the go. humans. I'll call myself Coral Beach. No one there will ever go. know. I would wink if I had eyes. So there's been a recall and an outbreak of salmonella linked to cantaloupe in Canada primarily, but now it's in the States as well for a while now. This goes back to, I believe, October. Quoting from the article, again, written by Can uh, Coral Beach. As of November 30th, there were 117 confirmed patients in the U.S., up by 18 since the previous update on November 21st. At least 61 of the patients have required hospitalization. 
The outbreak stretches across 34 states, according to the FDA. An outbreak in Canada linked to cantaloupe has sickened 63 as of November 24, with 17 of them hospitalized and one dead. So that that makes this a bigger deal than people just getting sick from cantaloupe. Uh, the implicated, back to the article, quote, the implicated cantaloupe in both countries was imported from Mexico. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, where do you get salmonella? You normally get it from chicken and turkey. Eggs, okay. Here's the thing. If you have fertilizer or irrigation water that has been contaminated with salmonella and it's getting sprayed on top of that produce, that's another way you can get it. Simple as that. So yeah. generally with an outbreak like this, it'll be confined to a certain producer or a certain farm or a certain field in some cases, depending on if they can track it all the way back to that amount of specificity, right? What I have seen, which makes me a little nervous about that assertion, is that it's all, it's not whole cantaloupes. This is cut, ready-to-eat cantaloupe. So that brings into the conversation, maybe this is a single uh, facility that's taking cantaloupes from this place in Mexico, cutting them infecting them with salmonella there and then that's being shipped out in this pre-cut kind of a situation and getting people sick that way and it's i mean i think we talked about this the last time there was an outbreak maybe with the daycare but it's one of those things where like okay so one melon comes in that's contaminated you cut it but you don't properly clean then everything you're cutting after that you're sort of you know like when you uh inject the blue stuff into the cheese yeah um you're just inoculating inoculating all everything you're cutting after that with it well and it could even be worse than that like let's say this is not being cut by people let's say it's a a facility of some sort that has a mechanized machine that spins the cantaloupe against like a cheese grater essentially to peel it and then it is dunked into something that washes it and then it's cut and whatever at some point along that uh procedure the machine itself is being inoculated with salmonella. Then everything that goes through it is getting a whole dose of salmonella, you know? Yeah. There's a company called GHGA, which has a voluntary recall of pre-cut fruit products made from the whole cantaloupe, uh, marketed under the name True Fresh. And that's for Kroger, Sprouts Farmers Market Stores, Trader Joe's, and I think that's it. And we're looking at Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. Yikes. That's less than 34 states. Yeah. I mean, that's just the one recall from the one producer. Um, is it? it it's uh, I, for some reason, I would have thought that um, when I look at that stuff, I, I assumed it was people at the deli counter doing that, that it wasn't coming <laughs> into the store cut like that. In some cases, I mean, it's probably both. In some cases, like Target, they don't have somebody doing that. And I know you can get pre-cuts at a place like Target. Yeah, true. Uh, but at a grocery store that has a full deli and has, like, what is obviously a back-of-the-house, like, kitchen area, they're probably doing it there. And if they're smart, what they're doing is they're getting in cases and cases of cantaloupes. And some of the cantaloupes, you look at them and you're like, nobody's going to buy this. It's got this weird little dent in the side. Those are the ones that they're pre-cutting and they're right. cutting away the dented area, right? Like they're trying to minimize that waste. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't own a grocery store, so I don't know. 
That's that's what I always thought too. I did. I mean, I didn't wasn't even thinking about all this stuff. But I guess gas stations have it too. I mean, you're not yeah. going to walk into a Circle K or a Seven Eleven and and get that stuff and and expect that the gas jockey had uh, had cut that, or at least you you hope that they hadn't. Right. Um, well, not that they're really handling the gas anymore, so it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But still. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so, ladies and gentlemen, there's this whole, like, there's a long list here of different places. And I guess I guess it is whole fruit as well. Because it says here, the FDA's traceback investigation is ongoing, but has identified Sophia Produce LLC, True Fresh, Crown Jewels Produce, and Pacific Trellis Fruit, also known as Dulcinea, as suppliers of the potentially contaminated whole cantaloupes branded rudy or malakita all three companies have initiated recalls how the hell are you gonna know what brand and what variety your cantaloupe is like come on it's cantaloupe yeah and then there have been voluntary recalls of the pre-cut pre-cuts as well from what we mentioned before wasn't like ultraviolet light supposed to prevent all this stuff from happening somehow like uv lights inside machinery and whatever i don't know how widespread that is there was a minute where that was going to be what stopped covid and then that turned out to be wildly ineffective and like the people who sell uv lights were way into it but it wasn't being shown as being super effective um for that i don't know about for something like salmonella okay Probably not. Probably, I mean, probably, probably a zero effect. Either that or Salmonella loves it. One of the things that freaked me out the most about this is that the FDA is very concerned that people have this stuff at home still, and what they've done is frozen it for future use. And the idea of freezing melons freaks me out, because I don't like melons anyway. And if you freeze it, you're certainly not serving it as though it's fresh again later by taking it and thawing it out. So I don't know what you would do with it, unless maybe you make cantaloupe smoothies, which now that I've said that out loud, like I'm threw up in the back of my mouth a little bit that sounds super gross i don't know what you would do with a frozen piece of cantaloupe kayla did that i forget how we ended up with the melon but she did that with some melon and um basically it was the instead of using ice in your smoothie you can you can do that and then it because it's really kind of watery and but that neither of us really eat melons that was it but it was a honeydew maybe that she had and not not cantaloupe is cantaloupe also musk melon yeah i mean i guess you could you would just have to like cantaloupe i suppose yeah gross i mean it's definitely i I recognize the flavor of cantaloupe when i have it and and i mean i i don't hate it but yeah i don't it's nothing i'm like ooh, you know what i want right now um is one of these we move a lot of them at the school so my basic uh variety of fruit we do two cut fruits every day we'll get grapes we'll get pineapple watermelon honeydew and cantaloupe and we'll do two of those per day and we don't necessarily always change them day to day it's like we'll run them out and then bring out one of the new ones i've been kind of intentionally ordering less cantaloupe because of this even though when this initial recall actually series of recalls happened my produce company is really good about they'll send an email out and they'll say you've heard about this recall it comes from these places we don't buy from those places you're totally safe and for the company to send out an email to put those put that in writing they're taking on a fair amount of liability if something actually does happen and so i I thoroughly trust this particular company they've been great with every recall that we've ever seen at a it's never affected us and b for them to be that forthright to be like you know what we stand by our product this 
recall of Romaine from Salinas, California. We are not currently buying from them because it's off season or whatever. So don't worry. We don't have any of that product. You don't have any of that product. I'm like, all right, man. Cause if it turned out to be untrue, we could sue the fuck out of them. Yeah. You know? And for them to, to, for them to write that down and email that out to all their customers, that's a big swing. And I, I appreciate that. Um, do you think the popularity of, of uh, cantaloupe is because it is not in terms of like calories, but in terms of essence, it's like diet mango? Yeah, it's also far cheaper than mangoes, so that's got to be part of it. I mean, it, I think mango is superior. By um, far. But, uh, I mean, is it like is it white man's mango? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where mangoes come from. <laughs> Central and South America. There's also a variety from the Philippines, I believe. Or not? I'm sorry, not mangoes, cantaloupe. I don't know where cantaloupe come from. Also, don't know where cantaloupes come from. And I wonder because you're absolutely right. What bothers me about cantaloupe and honeydew in particular is that you can tell what they taste like, but they don't taste enough like it. Right. It's 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 uh. They're like the Lacroix of fruit, right? Like somebody <laughs> yes, yes. somebody came up with the idea of what it tasted like, but just didn't put enough in. You I'm know, gonna whisper to you me. what this tastes like as you drink it. <laughs> yeah. Now I like a watermelon because watermelons have a, a strong flavor, right? Like it's not yeah. overwhelming, but it's you know what it is. Whereas like you get a slightly underripe honeydew, and it's like white, and it doesn't taste like anything, and it's roughly analogous to like when ET was in that ditch and he was all white and pasty. Like that's that's what a honeydew, an underripe <laughs> honeydew, looks like. But I wonder if there are melons in that family, that. Like, I wonder if these were bred to be that, right? Like, if through getting them into a position where they grow fast, they ripen fast, they transport to grocery stores well, and all of that kind of stuff, if there was some essential nature of melonhood that was removed, either accidentally yeah. or intentionally, and if there is a variety of, like, heirloom melon that's really good that I just don't know what it is. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you know, if there's some, like, wacky, awesome version of a honeydew out there or a cantaloupe, let me know. I'll grow it in my garden this coming summer. I've got nothing yeah. but time. Or can you? Should you be dehydrating your cantaloupe, making uh, fruit leather, which I always thought sounds awful, like that's an yeah. awful thing to call uh, fruit roll-ups. Um, but making your own uh, fruit jerky, which is better than fruit leather. Uh, like with that, I mean, we talked about how it con concentrates the flavor of mushrooms. Would it concentrate the flavor of cantaloupe? And and is that a good thing? You know, good question. I wonder, because I tried to dehydrate mangoes, but they do have a firmer structure. They have a stronger, like, fibrous structure to them. And so they got too tough. But because cantaloupe and honeydew start off being kind of watery and almost granular in a weird way, I wonder if they would still be fairly tender dried out. Or Might would they trying. just evaporate entirely? <laughs> yeah, just have, <laughs> like, a very lightly flavored dust. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is how they made Tang. <laughs> I might have to, uh, I might have to try, because the other thing is that if I buy a melon, I can bring it home and cut it up, and my kids and my wife will eat it for breakfast, or they'll eat it like as a snack. I guess I just won't touch the stuff myself. Yeah, but maybe, and that's the other thing too. Like you get South and Central American cultures where they'll take a uh, mango, they'll take a honeydew, they'll take a uh, cantaloupe, cut it. And put tahine on it, which is like this chili and salt mixture. Because you have to do something to make that shit interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> Could you put some onto that and dry that out? And then have like a sweet, spicy, dried cantaloupe slice? I don't know. But it sounds like it's worth trying out. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. 
I'm going to write that one down. Which do I want to do? I like a honeydew is going to yield more because honeydews are generally bigger than cantaloupes. Well, I would do honeydew just with this still going on just to be on the safe side. <laughs> right, that's a good point. Oh, man. So let's see. How much time do we have left here? Yeah, we should think about wrapping this up fairly soon. But I do want to talk about I killed a thing, but I'm getting two new things. So it is possible, Steve. I have learned experientially it is possible to kill a sourdough starter oh and so in the past when i've had people say to me oh i just can't keep a sourdough starter alive i always am like well you're fucking dumb then because like it's a bacterial culture all it wants to do is be alive and like you leave it alone long enough everything just spoils that's what sourdough is that's true but it's also more complicated than that right so here's where i went wrong because i did kill my sourdough starter the sourdough starter I've been using for going on five or six years now, maybe seven years, is gone, right? The last batch of bread I made, which I made yesterday, very disappointing. So I keep a jar in my fridge, a mason jar, that has my starter in it. It's usually about three quarters full of starter, right? It's flour, it's water, it's the bacterial culture, and it just kind of sits in there. And because it's in the fridge, it moves really slowly. And I bake once a week, maybe once every 10 days, right? If you're leaving your sourdough starter out at room temperature, you're supposed to discard about half of the amount of stuff every couple of days and feed it. That sounds exhausting. So I keep it in the fridge and I feed it when I use it, right? Because it's more of a, my wife asked me if I thought of the sourdough starter as like a pet. It's more like a, just a tool, like a favorite tool, right? But you have to take care of your tools. So at one point, I let it go a long time between bakes and... When I used it, I used almost all of it, fed it, put it back in the fridge, and then used it again within a couple of days. And it didn't do what I wanted it to do. And so I left it in the fridge for like a week and I used it again. And then that was this last batch where I was like, yeah, this ain't working anymore. What I think happened is when I let it go a long time between bakes, it had like the culture that was in there used up as much of the food as it could get to. Cause you know, the, those bacteria are not mobile. They eat everything around them and then they die. So I didn't like move it around enough. And so it had become sort of a weaker starter because of that. And then when I used that huge amount and fed it, but then didn't give it enough time to like rebuild that population, I think something else got in there. Cause there's just ambient bacteria in the air, right? And that population of the starter I wanted to have in there, that culture, wasn't strong enough to fight off whatever else was in there. And so I did have another bacterial culture of some sort going on in there, but it wasn't the thing that made my sourdough my sourdough. And so I think it got invaded and died. So RIP my starter. <laughs> do, you, do you have any of the powdered stuff lying around to restart it? I do not. So that guy is just gone, right? Now, I don't know if, like, maybe I was targeted or something. Because I started getting all of these ads on Instagram from this company called Cultures for Health, which is all of this fermenting and sourdough and make-your-own-yogurt and stuff like that company, right? And so I thought, well, what the hell? So I ordered from them a... San Francisco sourdough starter, which is what you were just talking about. They took a starter, they dried it out, they powdered it, whatever. Came with instructions that were stupid simple, and I thought, well, okay, it's 
I know how to do this. So you just take equal parts flour and water, put it in a jar, put the starter powder in there, and it's going to take maybe a week, 10 days for it to to take charge. Fine. I'm doing that now. It's it's now it's today's day three of that. Day two of that. I also bought a kombucha starter. So I'm going to try to make my own kombucha. <laughs> because I felt like it was that trick. It's that like you're $4 away from free shipping. So of course yeah, I spent yeah. another like $15, right? Uh, so that might be my new thing. So my, my new sourdough starter, it's going to be a minute before I can bake again, which is interesting for me, but the new one is going to be a San Francisco style sourdough starter. That's going to be a new thing to me. So we'll see how it goes. And, uh, I'm going to start trying to make my own kombucha, which I've made fun of for years. So we'll see how this goes. When did you drink kombucha otherwise? I have off and on. It's not a huge thing for me, but my wife's doctor told her that she needs to start eating more fermented foods. So this is a good way for me to do something for her as well. Okay. I'm also going completely rogue, and I saw a thing online where somebody was making honey-fermented whole garlic cloves, so I'm doing that too, which is as simple as getting raw honey, putting it in a jar, putting garlic cloves in it, covering it, and leaving it alone, so we'll see how that goes. That's going to be... Uh, is that is that... How is that fermentation different than your sourdough because that there's a lot more sugar in the honey i'll be honest i have no idea it's supposed to have health benefits it's supposed to like ward off the common cold it's supposed to be really tasty i don't know i put it up (laughs) on instagram and a bunch of my friends were like i do that and i'm like you're all weird why do you do that like i know i'm weird but you guys are also weird like okay how long do you you just let a clove of garlic sit in the honey for how long Ah, it takes like a month or something so it's this has been about a week and a half and, and then, it's not really doing anything. Every so often I open it up and it hisses at me and it smells like honey and garlic and I close it back up again. And then you just eat it? I guess. I don't know. I'm going to find <laughs> out. Great. I think I told you, I made a batch of Israeli pickles, right? It's a salt mm-hmm. brined, naturally fermented cucumber pickle, right? And you put whole garlic cloves in there. And when I took them out of the brine and packed them in half brine, half water so that they wouldn't continue to get saltier and saltier... I had these garlic cloves, and I was like, ah, this is a salt-cured, fermented garlic clove. I'm going to eat one of these. I ate one. I almost immediately threw up, right? Like, <laughs> I was, I like, where you're, you you start, like, drooling on yourself because you're going to throw up. I fought it down. And I was like, I probably got a bad one, so I'm going to eat another one. I ate another <laughs> one. I almost threw up. Because <laughs> I'm that guy, right? Like, you have to test, you have to repeat your experiment to know that your yeah, results are, yeah. are correct. Uh but I didn't want to throw that garlic away. I was like, I can't throw this garlic away. It feels wrong, right? Like garlic is sacrosanct to a certain degree. So I sliced it on this ceramic mandolin that I have, really, really thin. And I dehydrated it and then I ground it up. Holy shit, it is the best garlic powder ever because it's got the salt in there already. Sure. It is so good. And so now I'm like, wait, do I start salt fermenting garlic by itself specifically to slice and dry out to make my own garlic powder? Because that feels like a long way to go to make garlic powder, but it was really good. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm just happy you found a use for your barf garlic. <laughs> Now, when I've used it, the dried stuff, it has not made me want to throw up. Good. I'm yes, not good, eating, good. you know, like a tablespoon of it at a time, though, either. Yeah. So, there's that. I mean, the the if you were just to drink a bunch of salt water, wouldn't that, wouldn't you also, I mean, is it just because it was so salty? I have no idea. I can, like, this was months ago, and I, I'm having a physical reaction to just telling the story. So, <laughs> the memory is sticking with me. <laughs> 
interesting. You should, uh, well, I don't know if you should or not. How would that be with black garlic? Because black garlic is kind of sweet, right? Yes, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, black garlic is a bit of a mystery to me. So a friend of ours gave us a bunch of black garlic a while back, and we tried it. We, like, made toast and spread it on there because that's one of the ways that you just try something like that. I did the same thing with uh, Vegemite, you know. Um, I, yeah, it's like garlic if garlic was a raisin, you know. And I, I don't know. <laughs> like, it felt I, – I don't – I'm sure there are like classic applications for it. I just don't know what they are. And it felt like it's such a an a very specific and very odd flavor that I don't like nothing came to mind like, oh I have to use this for something. Yeah. You know? And it's not something you'd be like, oh, this would make a good garlic salt, like black garlic salt should yeah, be a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like the only time I've had it knowingly was in that ice cream and it was <laughs> you know I I will have a physical reaction if I talk about that, but let me salt cure some bananas and we'll take some black <laughs> <laughs> banana salt why has no one ever done this <laughs> now the next step and i don't know if i want my house to smell like this is like should i make my own sauerkraut like should i just start fermenting stuff left and right have i have i reached that point in my life where i'm like oh i need a hobby i may as well make my house smell like a giant fart all the time like is that what i want to do because i don't know i think you have to buy like a special ceramic pot for sauerkraut I don't oh know. really i don't know also i'm the only one in the house who would eat sauerkraut so like is this what i want to do with my life i don't know they get the melons you get the sauerkraut it's a fair trade <laughs> i wonder now that i'm thinking about this because i will like i'll get a hankering and i'll be like you know what i want to do i want to cook a whole bunch of brats with sauerkraut you know but i never just have it sitting around i wonder if i could jar it i wonder if i could make it and then hot pack it which would suspend the fermentation of it so the jars wouldn't explode yeah i don't know i bet because you can buy sauerkraut it's shelf stable right so there must be something yeah, to can, do it yeah and you buy jars of it i mean you yeah. know it's in glass jars and stuff and they're not bursting in the stores yeah there's got to be a way to do it i'll have to figure it out so i saw this thing on facebook you see, i need to i was going to send it to you then i was like no because it's obviously a joke attri <laughs> attribution because it was attributed to saint thomas aquinas i believe uh or saint james i don't know but it was, this was what it was. A hot dog is just a bunch of ground meat in a casing that's usually intestine, right? Yeah. Therefore, when you eat a hot dog, it doesn't stop being a hot dog. <laughs> you just become the casing <laughs> for the hot dog. Yes. I mean, by that logic... We're all hot dogs. Yes, that's basically yeah, what it yeah. was saying. Yes, everyone's a wiener. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, dislike that at all. <laughs> I'll have to find it and send it to you so you'd see how it was worded, because it was worded better than I worded it. But yeah, that was the basic gist of it. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. We're just all walking sausage casings. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, there's there's the old, the old saw of... Um, you need a certain amount of water and sunlight to be a whole creature. You're basically just a house plant with more complicated emotions. Like, okay, <laughs> I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Hear that, vegans? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, we've had, this has been a pretty gross episode, so let's finish with this. I just sent you this today, Food and Wine. From November 29th, woman sues chopped after allegedly finding part of a finger in her salad. 
it says allegedly, but this feels like it's been confirmed. This lady goes to Chopped, which is a, a creative salad company restaurant chain. Mistake number one. Um, and she, uh, quote, alleging that she bit into a severed slice of an employee's finger while eating her salad earlier this year. Um, generally with lawsuits like this, I'm ready to roast the person who's bringing the lawsuit, but this sounds fucking awful. I'm kind of on her side here. Yeah. Because she's suing them for physical distress, emotional distress, psychological distress, and I get that. If I'm eating a salad, first off, why am I eating a salad? But if I'm eating a salad and I get someone else's finger in there, I am not having the best day of my life. Not by a long shot. <laughs> right. Neither, dare I say it, is the person whose finger I'm chewing yes. on. Uh, so... But. The, the lady's name is Allison Cozy. Again, that sounds like she's clearly related to Coral Beach. Like, that also sounds made up. Yeah. Cozy's lawsuit states that one of the restaurant's managers had sliced off a part of her left index finger while chopping arugula, the Associated Press reported. First off, you don't chop arugula. So that's the only sus thing about this for me. The manager went to the hospital for treatment, but that portion of arugula and allegedly the piece of her finger was still served in the restaurant's salads chopped was later fined nine hundred dollars by the westchester county health department for quote violating state rules aimed at preventing imminent health hazards which means like here's what i understand about this people cut themselves in restaurants as soon as you cut yourself you walk away from your cutting board and whatever's on the board gets thrown away that's that's almost step one step one really should be stop the bleeding but step one generally is get rid of that board and that's apparently not what happened well, uh, so, uh, well, anyway, keep going, because then I, then I have questions. Uh, in her lawsuit, Cozy alleges the incident left her with several injuries, including cognitive impairment, dizziness, migraine headaches, nausea, panic attacks, and shock. I imagine all of that happened in the first, like, minute, and I believe her. Back to the article, as well as recurring neck and shoulder pain. Probably just from the, every time she remembers it, she shudders really hard. Like, yeah, or wretches. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she is seeking monetary damages from Chopped and its parent company, Founders Table Restaurant Group, although the amount is not specified in her legal finding. Yikes. Yeah. Um, uh, so, okay, and then it just goes on to talk about more, right, or other... Yeah, there was a thing in Ohio where a guy is suing Arby's, or sorry, in 2005, did sue Arby's uh, after finding a slice of skin in the lettuce that topped his chicken sandwich. A, why are you going to Arby's to get chicken sandwiches? Um, I don't have a B. That was just my thing. Like, why do you go to Arby's for chicken? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, so this, like you said, seems to be if they took the manager to the hospital get to get treated, seems to be like, yeah, she's not making this up. Yeah. Right. But he, so here are my questions. One, how big of a piece of finger was it that, like, it wasn't something that you unknowingly ate, just ate, like, that it was something that would have been chewed on? Yeah. This seems to have, like it has to have been a pretty decent chunk of finger, right? I mean, y yes. So, notoriously in restaurants, we are bad at taking care of ourselves. So, if this is an injury that's grievous enough that she was taken to the hospital, first off, that's bad. Secondly, if it's big enough that you notice it in a mixed salad of some sort, as not being any of the other components of the salad, that's a big piece of finger. And and keeping in mind, I think I'm on her side as well. However, did she say, look at all the salads and say, 
I'll take the red one. <laughs> because that's yeah. a wound that bleeds, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, wouldn't... Oh, so finger, finger wounds in restaurants in particular bleed like crazy. And they bleed obnoxiously. You're like, I've had a bandit on this thing for three weeks. Why is this not going to stop bleeding? So how does that, did someone like quickly wash all of that arugula and that got also got washed and that's why it didn't get noticed? Like, and, and so you're saying that arugula doesn't typically get, um, cut, uh, cut. Does, do you, you don't have to take like cut roots off or stems or anything? Is that? So, I mean, it depends. You probably don't because I mean, at least what we get, we get like a three pound box of pre-washed arugula. Uh, maybe they're getting it in. I I don't know why you would get arugula that needs to be cut. That's my thing. Unless, I mean, unless they're getting like really big, uh, quote, adult arugula, because we get baby arugula for my school. Okay. But I don't know why you would get big arugula. Usually if you're getting like mature arugula, adult, retirement age arugula, I don't know, you're cooking it because it's really strong. It's very peppery. It's very bitter. That's the kind of thing that you are wilting to go underneath like a grilled salmon or something like that. Do you think um, before the lawsuit that this conversation happened with either friend, spouse, partner, pet that was like, Ben, I went to chop the other day. I think there was a finger in my salad. (laughs) Ben, I loved it. (laughs) I'm traumatized. It was so good. That's the trauma. No, like, like learning late in life that you're a cannibal. Yeah, that it was just like I it like the people that have survived the mushroom thing and be like those were delicious. <laughs> they kill a lot of people. It's delicious. Oh, um, man. like this is that for her. She's like I can I can I'll never I can never have that again. That's the psychological distress is knowing you're a monster. The second half of that is, you could have a restaurant that sold bits of people to eat. And you'd only get fined $900. I saw that as well, right? Like, that's, they won that. Chopped won. When it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of your managers also, like, again, there's a lot going on here. Why was a manager chopping arugula? Why does arugula need to be chopped? How did the finger end up staying in process so long that it was served in a salad? Like, all these are questions that I have. Yes, yes. But the real takeaway here is, you can serve someone a piece of human flesh in Westchester County, New York. It's only going to be a nine hundred dollar fine. Yeah, that restaurant, a minus now. That's all. <laughs> right. It's just right. down. They now you're missing a light bulb and dry storage. Ten thousand dollar fine. Shut down for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Forty roaches, a minus. Nine hundred dollars. Human I, finger, a thousand dollars. The attorney overstates it a little bit, but this is the job of an attorney. Quote, as a matter of common sense and public interest, the failure to supervise the preparation and service of food in a manner that protects the public is a blatant deviation from accepted safe practice and deserves significant compensation. This is according to attorney Mike Mark Reibman. Um, that's a cash grab. Like, this is somebody who's saying everybody needs to be afraid of this restaurant. We're suing them for... $10 million, whatever, yeah. whatever this, this, I'm sure it's going to be an egregious amount. Fine. I mean, this lady, holy shit. She has to live the rest of her life knowing uh, like non-consensually she had someone else's finger in her mouth. Right. Yeah. That's rough. That's rough stuff. 
there are worse things to have in your mouth and you should get paid for those things as well. You should get compensated in some way. Uh, I can't imagine. And I'm, I've got a pretty strong stomach. I've been in the industry for a long time. So I like, I get it. I would not react well to finding something like that in my salad either. I'd already be in a bad mood because I'd be eating a salad. Yeah. I mean, if the question earlier was how many roaches, like what's your roach line? I think my finger line is any, any finger, any amount of finger. Yeah. And I'm also aware all the food is being touched by people. Should they be wearing gloves? Yes. Are they all wearing gloves? Absolutely not. People are touching all on your food, right? Strangers are intimate with your food before it comes to you. That's just the truth of it, right? But do I want a finger in my salad? No, I really don't. Really yeah. don't. Yes, no, not at all. Do, do you think the response to this, because, uh, uh, I mean, good lawyering here, uh, Mr. Eidman, but uh, uh, as common sense, yada, 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 the failure to supervise the preparation and service of food in a manner that protects yada, 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 couldn't the, couldn't the, um, couldn't the response be, well... The manager was at the hospital, yeah. <laughs> so the super the supervisor was unable to be there because they were at the hospital, and uh, we were you know we were taking that was the uh, that was the fire we were putting out, and we let the like I don't know who was left in the kitchen to like yeah. did they not call in another manager to supervise so, what was going on? Theorizing, why would a man? So let me put all the pieces together. Why is why is someone cutting arugula? when you don't need to cut arugula well it's the middle of the rush something has gone wrong manager from the front of the house comes into the back starts cutting arugula that nobody asked her to cut because she doesn't know the back of the house because it's not her job whatever but they're down cooks because nobody can hire cooks these days manager hurts herself everybody in the kitchen is rolling their eyes the other manager has to take her to the hospital everybody in the back is just like well we're still screwed. We were screwed before. Now we're screwed. Get rid of our cutting board, whatever. They don't know the piece of finger ended up in the giant salad spinner that she was swiping all of the doesn't need to be cut anyway arugula into. And they just proceed as normal, right? And then by the time that gets served, that lady's already in the hospital. There are no managers on site, which is a health code violation. And at this point, it's kind of nobody's fault and sort of everybody's fault. Yeah. But definitely both managers' fault. Yeah. Yikes. See, this is why I'm just going to guess this lady's FOH for no good reason. I, this this has nothing to do with her gender or the fact that she injured herself or whatever. This is just the scenario that's playing in my head. She shouldn't have been back there cutting a lettuce that doesn't need to be cut yeah. anyway. So to capitalize on this, if we're like uh, Pilgrim's Pride earlier with our hot hot chicken takes, um, does Cozy immediately start run start running ads that say, now serving finger foods? <laughs> right so yeah if they don't pay up if if uh chopped doesn't pay up enough i mean first off it's also called chopped like the restaurant is called chopped that's amazing uh if they don't pay up what she wants she should go on to instagram and exactly that just start going hey chopped now serves finger foods and just do that once a day until they're like fine here's your 10 million dollars we're closing all of our stores are you happy now and she'll go yes i am yeah Is that the right thing to do? No. Would that be funny? Kinda. Yeah. Make sure you ask for your salad without Beth jerky. <laughs> and now this is someone who legitimately is going to have an injury that will be very apparent forever. Because the piece of her that could have been reattached if they had taken it to the hospital is now gone. 
Like yes. That lady tried to eat it. Yeah. Or yeah. it's in an evidence bag somewhere. Yeah. Now, it's in no condition to be reattached either way. So that part, fine. And again, I don't want to just shrug and say that happens, but man, cooks are cutting themselves all the time. I've told this story on this show before that I should have walked out of my first day at restaurant A. I should have walked the fuck out. But I was excited to have scored my first job in Chicago on my own because I was working for a buddy of mine when I first moved to the city. And that felt, while it was a great job and I learned a ton and I'm very grateful for that opportunity that I had, moving to restaurant A was the first time in Chicago that I applied for a job. I got an interview. I got the job. I was super proud of myself. And the outgoing sous chef was showing me how to make bao dough in the Roboku. And he reached into it to, like, manipulate the dough around. And he cut himself on the blade of the Roboku and bled into it. And he reached into the Roboku with the same hand that was still bleeding, pulled the bloody parts of the dough out, threw them away, and went back to what he was doing. And we made bao out of that dough that day. That dude's name is Ed. His blood was in the food we served that day. I should have walked the fuck out. I saw that happen. He thought it was funny. That kind of stuff happens, right? It shouldn't, but it does. Uh, still gross. Still yeah. kind of makes me squeamish, you know? Yeah, yeah. So all of that aside, did you read the very end of this article? About um, the lady in Las Vegas? No. So that same year, according to this article, which is 2005, Las Vegas resident Anna Ayala alleged... That she found a severed human finger in a bowl of Wendy's chili. She filed a lawsuit against the Ohio-based chain, but later admitted that her husband, Jamie Placiencia, had obtained the finger from a co-worker who had lost it in an accident at his workplace. Ayala admitted that she cooked the finger at her home and placed it in the chili herself. In 2006, the two were sentenced to nine years in prison for their part in the fraud. Quote, I owe Wendy's and its employees an apology, Ayala said at the time of her sentencing. What? You wake up in the morning, Steve, and your husband says, oh, yeah, one of the guys at work got his finger cut off. Is your first thought, let me have it. <laughs> I'm going to cook it and put it in some Wendy's chili, and I'm going to try to sue Wendy's. Like, is that your first thought? No. Me either? It's not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not now. You're not going to get away with it. Wendy's is on. They're on alert for that kind of shit now. Yeah. Um, the well, fact I rem- that she cooked the finger. I remember when this happened. Ah. On our, I remember. I believe what they did is that they um, they tested the finger and they de- were able to determine that it was not cooked with the chili. <laughs> oh, God. Because of, you know. So it wasn't spicy. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Wendy's chillified. So even if she had tried, <laughs> even if she tried to cook it in chili at home, it wasn't like the Wendy's chili. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they were like so, this. This was clearly cooked with a can of Dinty more beef stew, not yeah, Wendy's chili, Your Honor. Yeah, I mean that. That um. Oh my so god. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how specific they could get, but it was. I mean, and also like. To know that Wendy's chili is that uh, proprietary, or that, it, that the recipe is that like um, unique, um, is also sort of maybe off-putting. I don't know. It's like there's no ain't no chili like Wendy's chili. Because what you should have done, I, Ayala, um, 
is uh, presumably she's probably out of prison by now, nine years, and that was 2016. Yeah. Um, that's 2006. So yeah, she's I mean 2006. Out. Yeah. So uh, um, was get some Wendy's chili, bring right. that home, cook the finger in that, and then take it back, and then they wouldn't be able to tell. But right. um, that's something I think that you could go back and be like, uh, anyone on the Wendy's chili chain of custody missing any fingers? <laughs> Like, also, no? Okay. I mean, there are so many questions. You're the husband. How do you have that conversation with your coworker who just lost a finger? Be like, yo, let me get that finger. How do you yeah. have that? Because at that point, the coworker's going, why? And then you've got to cut him in for whatever your take is when you sue Wendy's, right? Because that guy's not going to give the finger up and just be like, yeah, sure, here you go, buddy. You know? And... And it's just her and her husband, not the other person, it sounds like, that were sentenced. Right. So does that mean, like, did the guy, like, bring it into work? And I was like, hey, look at this. And then her husband was like, stole it when the guy was on, like, lunch break <laughs> or something. Like, stole his severed finger and brought it home. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of that. I will say, nine seems to be the number. $900 fine, nine years in prison. Yeah. Um, and you know, you know why? because <laughs> that guy only had nine fingers left yes <laughs> yikes so now I don't know. now we know this article now has become far funnier than i thought it was going to be so thank <laughs> you for that steve i thought we were going to end on a down note tonight no it's yikes. hard yikes Whew. all right steve do you have anything else because i feel like that that pretty much tapped me out right there i and i i <laughs> yeah. Was not really thinking about eating chili anytime soon, but now I'm really not. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that uh, I think I'm good. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to apologize for the fact that it's been a couple weeks since we last recorded. But like I said, we were it was holiday times, family time. And then uh, I've been very busy at work and Steve's been traveling all over. I right? like things yeah. happen. All right. Yeah. Things uh, happen. We <laughs> things happen. You, you're suing Wendy's because you got a co-worker's finger and stuck it in some chili. <laughs> so. What sort of call-outs do we want to have, Steve? So if any of you have a, well, a horrendous work injury story you want to tell about your body parts that ended up in people's food, I changed my mind now that I've said that out loud. I don't want those stories. Thanks anyway. But um, if you have something to share, something to add to the conversation, if you've ever found something in your food that wasn't supposed to be there, right? So let's say it was a physical contaminant, like a wood staple or a bag tie or something like that, and... um, would like to share that with the group please let us know best way to get a hold of us is in the weeds wbr at gmail.com my instagram is chef ben randall where you'll see not pictures of my very disappointing last batch of sourdough bread but once this san francisco guy gets going and proves to be good i will be calling out for help naming this new one (laughs) and you'll see pictures of the breads that i make although i did make just bread bread yesterday too which is what my kids call when I just make regular loaf sandwich bread. Um, and that's where you'll also see, you know, the honey fermented garlic I'm making. If I decide to make sauerkraut, that's where you'll see that as well. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. If you just look for In the Weeds with Ben Randall on there. And then Steve also runs a website for us. In the Weeds WBR.com. Where you can find all the articles that we talk about. If you really want to get more detail on people putting severed fingers in their chili like that's where you're gonna find that stuff i feel like that because we're also recording late steve it's it's 8 15 this is way past my bedtime especially yeah. on a sunday <laughs> i gotta go to work tomorrow man 
Yeah, uh, although true. we did go to Costco this weekend, and so I did buy one of the big cases, the 64-count Kirkland Energy Drinks. So I am ready uh-huh. to go. I am, <laughs> I am raring to do some serious uh, kitchen work starting tomorrow morning. Nice. I am going to be high-octane for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no electric fences and uh, nature calls for you. <laughs> right, right. So, for In the Weeds of Ben Randall, I am Ben Randall. And I'm Stephen Cadwell. We'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye.